1: Indeed, found no proscenium, the voice of everything immersive. I'm Noah Nelson, and welcome to episode 399. This week, a very special, very long episode of the podcast featuring guest host Michael Terra Garver, the director of immersive experience for Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, who's here to interview. Me, along with Catherine Yu, Graham Wetterhahn, Jessica Crean, and Nick Fortuno, my shipmates, for the absolutely incredible surprise trip to Walt Disney World in Orlando to head aboard the Galactic Star Cruiser that Graham and Catherine organized for us and that a whole lot of people contributed to. Indeed, our coverage of the Star Cruiser is brought to you by agile lens bringing xr and theater together for over a decade and after hours theater company producers of the los angeles immersive invitational with additional support from listeners like you more on that on the other side of the interview about two hours and change from now now before i do our usual bit about the state of the patreon I wanted to give you some extra context for this episode, including a very basic description of what the Star Cruiser is and what this episode is. We'll start with what the Star Cruiser is not. It is not a $5,000 a night hotel, nor is it really a hotel at all. But for a bunch of reasons that I can say with a clear conscience had nothing to do with the quality or the value proposition of the experience, it is something that is closing at the end of September. And speaking of that value proposition, the actual price is around fourteen to sixteen hundred dollars per person for the two-day, two-night run. That includes everything but fancy drinks and things from the gift shop. And yeah, they'll they'll get you on that. That's That's the job of a resort now about what it is. I joked while aboard that it really should have been called star Wars galactic sleepover because at the end of it, that's what it felt like a two day adventure in a galaxy far, far away. One where everywhere you looked, you were in star Wars, A special theme park land that felt like it had been made just for you and your friends, where they didn't force you to leave at the end of the night when it was time to go to bed. Oh no, you've slept inside the park. A dream brought to life for anyone who ever wanted to pick up a lightsaber and be part of a larger universe. Also, no, it's not an actual cruise ship. You're not going anywhere. One of my friends asked me that. It just uses the shape and daily activity structure of a cruise ship, right down to the classic daytime excursion and the all-you-can-eat buffets as a way of framing the story that plays out all around you and that you can hop into and out of as you see fit. Spoiler alert. Few ever hop out of the story. It's much too fun. Now, Speaking of spoilers, in this episode, we are going to go deep on our adventure together, which means there are a lot of spoilers for the experience. If you're already set to go, you might want to listen uh, later. If you think you want to try to go, you can seek out the Halcyon Rebels. Those are the people who helped us. Their goal is to help those who want to go learn the secrets to finding space on the ship when it becomes available. Who knows? Maybe you'll want to after this, or maybe you'll have had your fill of the star cruiser by the time we're done. But again, the Halcyon rebels. Thank you so much. Uh, And uh, you helped Catherine do the work that made it all possible when it looked like there was no hope. Now. The conversation that follows dips between talking about our characters to inside baseball stuff about immersive and back again. It is very no proscenium with a side of LARP war story. It is deeply nerdy in every sense of the word. It's also unlike anything we've done before. So a total experiment in every sense. Because this show, this show will hit its 400th episode next week and we're having fun with it. And this is brought to you by an incredible community of listeners on Patreon, where each five dollar a month pledge gets us one step closer to where we need to be—fully self-sustaining. Hitting up Patreon.com/no_prosinium not only powers the podcast and websites for No Pro and Everything Immersive, it also gets you into our member-only Discord. You'll find a whole community of creators and fans there, as well as regular real-time chats. We've got some AMAs and book clubs action coming up later this season. Some really fun stuff. If you're already a backer, don't forget to link your Patreon account to Discord and drop a review on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. That stuff really helps. And share the articles you find useful on your social media platform of choice. It helps immensely. Great article for that this week is the call sheet for July of 2023, particularly if you're in July of 2023 when you're listening to this, when it drops, uh, there's a lot of important things going on right now. Some job interview opportunities, uh, some festival deadlines, uh, and other uh, casting opportunities, just a a lot of stuff in there that can be really helpful to folks right now. Uh, Maybe not for you, but maybe for a friend of yours. So check out the call sheet. You can find it in the show notes. Look, we're always no proscenium, except on Instagram and on threads where we are no underscore proscenium. I just said nor, no underscore proscenium. It's going too fast. What a shock. As always, big thanks to our sustaining backers Samuel Mustry, Chris Woolman, Samantha Davison, Eric Shamlin, Elaine, Daryl, John Bullett, Jay Bushman, Jerome Joseph Genties, Tom Leonetti McGuire, Kurt Collins, Hail the Visionary. Winthorne, Ryan, David Bassick, Richard Ayres, Lonnie Hanson, Lekker Le Cool, The Ministry of Peculiarities, and Jan, Budman, thank you all. We're always on the lookout for community partners who are up for working out special deals for our backers or who want to support the show in other ways. Hit me up at Noah at noprescinium.com for details. And with that, sit back, settle in for a long drive, a big walk, or grab a bottle of something because we're at this for about the next two hours and uh, it's our first five-star runtime in a really long time and I'll be back on the other side uh, with some more special fun and some more things. Thanks. <laughs>
0: Hi there, No Pro listeners. This is Michael Tara Garver, your acting captain for this segment. I'm here because I was the director of Immersive Experience who created the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. Wow, I do know the name. And while I'm not serving as that role anymore, I am... um, I am the head of the newly launching uh, Culture House Immersive Experience Division, um, where we will create narrative live immersive experiences um, out in the world. Uh, But today, I I thought it would be interesting to turn the tables on your usual host, Noah. Um, In fact, I asked him and his shipmates um, if they would chat with me about their experiences aboard the Halcyon. Um, and we've got a lot of voices with us today, and they will introduce themselves. Catherine, do you want to start?
2: Yeah. Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Yu. I am one of the co-founders of the Immersive Experience Institute alongside Noah Nelson and Eric Vossmeyer, as well as the emeritus executive editor of No Procedium. And while on board the Halcyon, my character's name was Colleen Finnell, a Holo drama producer. Awesome. Nick?
3: Uh, Hi, hi, I'm Nick Fortuno. I'm the director of the Gaming Pathways program of game development at City College of New York, and I'm a scholar of games and interactive narrative. Uh, In my time on the Halcyon, I played Syndac Pack, uh, Slicer for Hire from Coruscant.
4: Awesome. Graham? Hi, everyone. I'm Graham Wetterhahn, the uh, artistic director of After Hours Theatre Company in Los Angeles and in a galaxy far, far away. I played Garm Fallback, a Coruscant nightclub impresario.
0: Jessica,
5: hello. My name is Jessica Crean. I'm the creator of I Can't Go On plays. We make things like Chaos Theory. You know they sell fair trade and all the serious stuff made playful. And on this cruise, I played Nairb Theboshi, who was technically a production intern from Shandrilla, and her parents had a, a stake in the Star Cruiser. She was optimistic to the point of pure naivete.
1: And that leaves me, Noah Nelson, whose better self is Cirque Tython, Antiquities Acquisitions and Logistics, who was roped into this to be Garm's fixer on Batuu at the Galaxy's Edge.
0: And Noah, although people know you, and that was an introduction of your character, can you can you just say who you are, who Noah <sighs> Nelson is? Yeah. Sure maybe I mean, defined it,
1: by your fandom uh, i might the, say uh, the, the, okay defined by my fandom sure uh well people people know if you skip forward i'm the usual host of this show maybe you just jump to the good stuff you might have uh founder of no pro yada yada i've been uh, uh, i've been deep into uh star wars since i was five years old uh it Entered into my life on the darkest day of my childhood and became the found family I needed uh, and carried me forward through that. And I have written extensively about my Star Wars fandom and about Star Wars uh, in places that aren't no pro. So there you go. I'll link to that in the show notes. How about that?
0: (laughs) And I'm going to start this with asking what everybody else is. So I'm asking you right now as, so we're going to go from, sometimes I'll be like, you know define are you talking from your character who was on in the galaxy or are you right here um talk to me about just quickly briefly your relationship to star wars prior to going because i'll say this i was not a star wars person uh prior to getting hired to do this job i was an immersive person so i learned star wars by way of making this project so i'm interested to hear your guys relationship to it Catherine. you were nodding your head
2: yes My brother came home from his friend's house and he forced my parents to take him to the video store and we got the golden anniversary VHS of Empire Strikes Back and we watched those tapes so much over and over and over and then he got uh, into gaming and this was PC gaming so we were playing the LucasArts Star Wars games over and over and over to the point when uh, we were watching television recently, one of the many Star Wars Disney Plus series, and I said to my husband, just, the words just flew out of my mouth, oh my god, that's an A-Wing! Because I recognized the shape of a ship that was in a background of a scene. So, um, pretty deep, not as deep as Noah, but it has been in the background of like my entire childhood. I mean, who is as deep as Noah? In, in, I mean, I couldn't,
0: yes, I was afraid, afraid. Who else? Uh, Graham, what about you?
4: Sure, I you know I I grew up in uh, I was I was born in the nineties, so my relationship to Star Wars was sort of between the two trilogies. Um, so the 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 prequel trilogy came out pre- when I was still pretty young. I remember having um, you know like Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker and X-wing action figures growing up. I would probably describe myself, though, as overall a more casual Star Wars fan, which is I watch the movies and the TV shows and keep up with it. But, but it, you know, it's one of many pieces of content universes that I follow. It's, you know, it, I, I definitely do not go as deep as either of the other two, uh, which I think was we have we had a range of us. And I think that's going to be good for for talking about it.
0: 100 percent. I think that's important. I think there's a really interesting thing for those who are not deep in the Star Wars lore of what what you get deep into right um nick how about you
3: i my earliest actual memory is standing in line to see the original star wars with my cousins and my father um so i go i go back to the beginning but i have What uh, Drew Davidson, who is a professor at Carnegie Mellon, calls an ACA fandom relationship to Star Wars, which means a highly critical relationship, to the point where I actually wrote an article for a dopey little blog I made called The Midichlorian Ruination Scale, about how the introduction of midichlorians was a gigantic mistake in the narrative universe. Which led to the fun moment of having coffee with Carrie Beck and her calling me out on writing that article <laughs> after she had gotten deeply involved in Star Wars. So I've had a I've had a, a hot, cold relationship to Star Wars as a critic for a while, but still um, you know, like very early memories of it and have still have all the toys in my office.
0: Can you mention who's the person you were saying and who is the person you were having a conversation with?
3: Uh Carrie Beck, who uh uh, is a is a is an ep on a lot of the um the uh, the different content on the site this was just she used to be at the sundance institute which i did a lot of work with and then she moved over to 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 uh star wars properties and shortly after that i wrote this article that i thought no one saw and then having coffee with her she just like threw it in my face which was, was which was fun. awesome
1: you you and i will have to have a, a conversation about midichlorians and uh theosophy at some point um, <laughs>
0: and Jessica how about you I think I probably consider
5: myself at this point to be like a lapsed hardcore fan I I definitely have some of my early formative memories also watching Star Wars the first game I actually ever made was a Star Wars board game Uh, my best friend sent it to me recently it's like I could barely write words with a pencil um but it is it is there. We used to like make droids out of styrofoam and green glue. And uh, we used to like make our parents sit through our droid presentations and we watched videos nonstop. We must have danced to that Cantina song hundreds and hundreds of times. I read all the novels. Uh, my mom made me a Leia costume once for Halloween because I wanted to be Cloud City Leia, not Blaster and Death Star Leia, because it was clearly the best outfit. Um, and then like Catherine, I sort of hit a point where I could just recognize those movies from anywhere. I remember seeing, I was in an airplane looking into an airport and it was just a pure white screen that I caught as we were taxiing. And I was like, oh, it's Hoth. And then the plane kept going. And so we kept catching other screens and like, sure enough, it was Hoth. So even from <laughs> a blank screen, I, I knew I knew the difference. Uh, but I haven't, I've sort of kept up with the with the fandom but in a way that i think i'm like a little bit of like a crotchety aunt on a porch at this point where i'm like this isn't as good as the originals why did they do that this is just a, a worse version of the originals and so i probably need to just uh yeah get off my porch go inside and just i don't
2: know shut up about it probably make some hot tea <laughs>
0: Okay, so to start out, right, I was asking each of you, but I just want to open this up, please, just a conversation. Um, also because there's so many voices, we're gonna try to say, uh, your names. I wonder if, as you guys could tell me, did you connect before you went on this on your trip on the Halcyon? Did you have a conversation yes. before you went? Yes. So tell um, me, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go on a journey. I'm gonna get like, a, I would love to hear before you'd gone you have a conversation
1: what was it yeah well, it, well it was sort of fun is like we th- what you just did we didn't do right like part of it was because we had from from the moment we found out to arriving in line uh for 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 Catherine and Graham and myself was 10 days so we hit the ground running and Jessica what was what was your turnaround was like 5 7 now so. yeah like incredibly fast turnaround because of uh, the state of play at the moment. Um, But we did, we had this, we had this zoom call
2: that, how long did that zoom call? I think intros took us an hour Yeah, because we just started talking about stuff, Mm -hmm. all the things we were excited about. And then, uh, how long is our backstory document? Like eight pages? I
1: believe our, I believe, uh, I believe the, the Toe Dog Gambit is uh yeah, somewhere between like six and eight pages. What's the,
0: great. So what's the toe dog gambit? Let's start there. Let's give a, <laughs> let me let me just get like a like a con like a context. Toe dog gambit, go. Someone <sighs> tell me.
2: We so there was a question as to whether or not it made sense for all of us to have characters who were traveling together for a reason, as opposed to disparate characters who maybe weren't connected. And Noah had already developed his character, Sir, a long time ago. I didn't really have anything. And Graham was also trying to figure something else out. We were looking at archetypes, stereotypes, who are the roles that keep recurring. Um, And in speaking to Anthony Robinson, sometimes a uh, sometime no pro correspondent and very good friends with Noah, he suggested I be a holodrama producer. So I started thinking like, okay, if I'm in the Star Wars version of Hollywood, what is that like? What do I do? What's my studio like? What are some of the shows? And then I was thinking, well, why would I know someone like Noah's character? Then I got to thinking about Anthony Bourdain, No Reservations, and the types of travel shows where he often had a fixture on the ground because he's going places that are not exactly tourist-friendly, but needed that inside connection, someone that could go, you know, cross boundaries and between worlds and maybe had a little bit of like an underworld connection. And then I was like, okay, what if we are working on a traveling documentary show, very similar to no reservations, where does everyone else fit in? And originally I was pitching Graham, like maybe Graham should be like the actual chef bad boy type. And I don't know if you're actually into that Graham.
4: Oh, I, I, I was into it, but I, I think I'd already kind of, I liked the idea of being a, like, I, like, like the Humphrey Bogart and Casablanca kind of character, like this sort of, I wanted to be a little bit more like uh, neutral. I, I went in sort of not wanting to take sides in the, in the first order versus the resistance conversation. And so that felt like a, a good way to do it uh, is that I, I was sort of an owner of, of a series of nightclubs and cabaret spaces. And then it, t- it turned out that instead of being the the chef, maybe the chef worked for me. And that's sort of how we, found that real connection. And
0: Catherine, say again, your name on the ship was uh Colleen. Colleen. And so you're a holodrama producer. And Graham, your name was
4: uh it was a it was very strong reach. It was Garm.
2: Ah. Helpful. Full full say name, Garm. please. Full name, full name. Garm.
4: Give <laughs> the full name. <laughs> Noah Noah dubbed me Garm Fallback, which I, I like. Because
1: because this is a fallback plan.
4: But like the whole
1: the whole idea, um well I'll I'll let so once it was determined that we wanted the chef to not be there, to like be, be external to us, uh, then, then we sort of came up with a, you know, we actually came up with like a, per, basically a budget related reason. And so we created, I created, uh, the chef's character, uh, who's uh Todog uh, Todog Kester, who is a basilisk. A basilisk is the type of alien that, uh, Dexter, uh, Dex Diner is, uh, in, uh, Attack of the clones, he's the big four-armed guy, uh, who's actually running around in the High Republic novels these days, or the comic books these days. Uh so uh and they're they're actually pretty long-lived. Uh and so
2: I have four arms, come on. Yeah,
1: and they have four arms and they're and they're really, really big. So like you're not going to see a Besalisk on the Star Cruiser. And so this could become like a running a running gag uh, for us as as a group, that uh, there's this other member of our party who isn't there, who sort of becomes someone that we can talk about or or have side conversations of, something that we can kind of always keep up as we're going. So and just to
0: say this facts so Toadog Kester? Gester? Kester. Kester. Yep. Kester, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Toadog to...
2: Kester, yeah.
0: Toadog Kester was not there. Right. right, It's gonna catch and up at any
2: moment. It's gonna rendezvous at the next stop. Really, yeah. for he, and sure. Gaia,
0: he and Gaia yeah. should chat. So yeah. he was gonna um, catch up. But let me just ask mm-hmm. why were why were you all on the cruise? Like, why did you get to go on a on a on a luxury cruise without your star?
1: So I'll, I'll, I'll set up the, the, the why, and then we'll, we'll let the others take over, like, about the cruise liner, because then it starts to connect in. So the original plan for the pilot for Tasting the Galaxy with Toadog, or, or what was, was that one of the titles? That, the that was options? the working title. We had a working title. You know, the we need to Say focus. Say it again. Group it.
0: That was fast. What
1: was it? A Tasting the Galaxy with Toadog.
0: Into it. Got it. Right. But
1: we need to uh, focus toe-toe. group it first. Right. It's going to take a little time to get the right title. But uh, the original plan, uh, you know, much like Bourdain, the idea was like meeting different chefs and, and different folks in their in their original, you know, kind of habitat or where they, they are. And um, the gag became that the original pilot was going to be on Taco at Maz Kanata's castle because Cookie Stuggs, uh, the cook there. Uh, is galactically renowned, has their own cookbook, and this would be a great first thing. But, of course, the First Order blew up Maz Kanata's castle, uh, and Cookie is canonically sitting on top of Docking Bay 7 on Galaxy's Edge on Batuu. So that character from Maz Kanata's castle is on Batuu. So the production moves, has to scramble to go from Takodana to batu instead which opens up the opportunity because the 275th anniversary run of the halcyon is happening and why not get both high society dining and cookie stugs working out of the docking bay dining all in one pilot
0: and i'm gonna take a pivot here because what that brings up is the dining in on the halcyon right like there is a second night called taste of the galaxy so you were you were incredibly prescient to think about that. Nick and Jessica, I'm wondering, you know, how for your characters upon going on a ship where you are normally documenting galactic food, how was the food experience? How was the cuisine experience?
1: Oh I'll Jessica. This this the lead on this. Yes, uh... yes, no, I'm
0: I'm paying attention. Yes, Jessica. <laughs> uh yeah, it was
5: it was uh it was both personally and in character, a perfect experience for me. On a personal level, I'm a vegan with a soy allergy. And so I'm everybody's nightmare, most of all my own. Uh, and so it's just impossible to eat food. And so if I'm going somewhere, like I've, I've had soccer mom vibes for years. I've just been walking around with granola bars in my bag to make sure I don't pass out at all times. And here, I, the, the rule of thumb was go talk to a chef and they will make you things. And so there were just these incredible meals that our our beautiful waitress our waiter, Katie, was telling us about uh, the chefs had just made things from scratch, and they were just playing around with new things in order to to meet this challenge. and so the level of kindness and creativity that went into defeating me in a way that was actually so joyful and really enhanced my personal experience was just honestly really moving. Um, It just doesn't happen like that very often. Usually it's like, enjoy your side salad. And the amount of food that they brought out was outrageous. The first night we we sat down and the same amount of food that came out for all four of my companions also came out for me an equal amount of food, and so there was just this absolute bevy of of tasty things. And in character, my character narab is uh, comes from a very wealthy family, and so she is used to getting whatever she wants. And uh, and so to be able to go up to a chef and just say these are some things I want, or what can I do with this, is if it was actually quite natural for her. And so it was one of two moments; the other being the sabak tournament, which we can talk about, where. This this character and the circumstances I think aligned most fortuitously, most fortuitously, and most unexpectedly to allow her to be
2: uh, sort of like peak Nerb in those moments. And we Nick. were also saying that uh, because Nerv's family was an investor in both oh, yeah. my studio and the cruise line, this cabin magically opens up and we have to all go together. And of course, Nerv is my intern who has no business being part of the hollow pictures, but, you know, has to come along for the ride anyway.
5: Um, excuse me. I'm very good at my job and I'm getting better every day.
0: <laughs> so, Nick. uh what was um? You can come at this anyway. What was your Toto's gambit? Am I saying it right? I feel like I'm going to say it wrong. Yep, Toto, yeah. Toto's Gambit. There's Gambit. There's um, a. Toto, yeah,
1: like, like, <laughs> the thing about Star Wars is like there's no canonical pronunciation for anyone's. Oh, I have learned that. And and I've we learned that very and,
0: well. <laughs> and we
1: leaned into that hard. Like that was a rule, almost to the point of like we need to be. What did what did you? What did Nerb? Uh, what was Nerb's various pronunciation pronunciations for Cirque? What was like? Oh, was one
5: of them?
0: Sirk, uh Serke,
5: Serky. Oh, Serky yes, was
1: a good one. Serky being my personal favorite. So Please Nick, don't call so Nick, him that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Nick, you were Syndek. Is that correct?
3: Yes. Yeah. So I, I, I basically formed my character once everything else. I actually had to drop out of the call at a certain point. The, the original Zoom call when they were they were working on all of this, and when I came back, I just was like, okay, what's the gap? uh in the in the party essentially and to use like just straight D D terms and i was like oh if we're scrambling to do this you probably need attack i'll make attack and then i spun a tech out um but i'm an old school role player so i i went five times deeper into the backstory than i probably had to and uh and then sort of landed there and then it, it gave me kind of a vehicle to kind of have a like at the beginning of the story before I made this a pretty significant pivot on the first day, be a sort of like, like nuts and bolts. How are we going to get this done? When is dog going to get here? You said dog was going to get here before, like, can we, you know, can do we know when toad Dog's going to be here? And then and it actually made the meals really interesting because we could have an in-character and out-of-character conversation that was essentially the same about critiquing the food, right? Because as, as guests, of the Star Cruiser as real people, we were talking about the food experience, but then as potentially people shooting the food, <laughs> we were talking about the food experience because we were talking about what would look at it on camera and what what would Toadog like and what could we feature. So it became, you know, that 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 vehicle of Toadog became like a useful way to keep us in character even when we wanted to talk about like the experience we were having on the Star Cruiser.
0: So that's, that's my next question, which is like, and then we're going to get into the experience of how, first of all, has everyone here, like, if you had gone on your own, would you have played a role? Like if, if it hadn't been with this group, is that because, would you have role played? Because Nick, you just said, that's a thing you do, right? Like that's a, right? Graham, you're, you're, you're nodding ahead.
4: So yeah, so I, this is my first time kind of LARPing in any meaningful capacity. I've I've played like house staff care lighthouse staff characters and shows before for my own work, mostly just you know as like a box office person. But I've never LARPed, certainly not for you know forty eight hours or or however long we were on the ship for. So uh, I think definitely being with this specific group of people uh, b- brought that experience out, which was which was really fun. And and so yeah, I, I was definitely the least experienced. Uh, You know, role player of the group. Um, I think the tow dog gambit and having such a rich backstory was really useful because you know, some some of us in the cabin hadn't met really before. Like Nick and I didn't really know each other before this trip. But one of the first things I remember doing on on the ship is we were in the in the sublight lounge, and we were in character talking about what was the viability of the space for shooting and what would we need to do to update to the decor in order to make Dog happy. And it was just a really beautiful way to, you know, kind of get to know each other and get into the world. And, you know,
0: (laughs) yeah. That's great. And like, um, I will say too, right. This is not designed the experience itself, right? Like I'm sure you saw people who were fully participating as character and people who are purely the, same identifying version of themselves on earth as they are, as they identify in space. And so I always talk about it as uh, identity, right? You you are claiming your identity and how you want to be in this world. <laughs> um, and and so I'm interested, I'm sorry, my question is like, I'm, and then go ahead, Noah, like, I'm interested if you We're switching between while you were on the ship all the time. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, and 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 that's something you know. We we were up till I think two or three in the morning on the final night, uh, having like a big analysis bowl session, which some of which we'll probably get into here. And by the time people listening to this, like some of it's already in written form on NoPro. There's a huge op-ed that I that you know I wrote, and someone in this group helped polish uh, some things, Uh, and you know. I, I always knew that I was going to take Cirque Typhon because Cirque I created on the day that I first went to Galaxy's Edge. Uh, Chris Wessels, uh, who's a friend of the show, uh, dragged me along uh, to get to go check it out. And I got to do the uh, lightsaber build. And I, I had the, the nerve wracking uh, experience of doing the lightsaber build in front of Scott Trowbridge, who just happened to wander in uh, that time. I was like, oh, great. Scott's, Scott's watching me. Who's Scott Trowbridge? Uh, Scott Trowbridge being the... the, the, the the portfolio lead of all of Star Wars for Imagineering. And he was just of, hanging around. You know? And
0: I'll say this, on the, on the record, one of the best humans and leaders you can find out there is somebody who got to work for him.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I adore Scott as a person, all the interactions we've had. I've always – actually, for about a year there, I was always embarrassed because I kept on being places maybe I, that someone had dragged me to that maybe I wasn't supposed to be, and I was like – oh what does scott think of me at this point uh but we're we're totally cool i know he's cool with me so like I'm, I'm happy about that but like cirque was i'd come up with that name and i had a different name but like on that day they gave us little wristbands that were like this is the group you go in as so you called in and that the wristband i was given was Typhon which uh, is a, a planet from Star Wars that originally showed up in the uh, John Ostrander comics back in the uh, early aughts, late 90s. Uh, there's the, the, one of the original worlds of the Jedi. Uh, it also sh- appears in The Mandalorian, and it's where Baby Yoda sits on the little thing. Uh, and so because I had this wristband that said Tython on it, I was like, well, I guess his char- this character's last name is now Titan. And so I've always been letting what... you know. I built Cirque for Galaxy's Edge, and I knew that I had to take Cirque to... The Halcyon, if I ever got a chance to go, and he's also buddies with Anthony's character, Roan Roan Favier, uh, and uh, you know this this and he's a light alibi. And we were when we're there, we're always referring to each other by the character name and kind of slipping into character, slipping out of character. Um, You know, there's there's a comfort zone. It's like you got nothing better to do, go do some character BS, right? Or if you're presented by something that's in the world, um meet the in-world with your in-world, but you don't have to necessarily hard LARP. And the thing that I was impressed by to go into analysis mode was that on the ship, the performers would meet you where you were. Wherever you were, they would meet you there, but more importantly, would leave the door open for you to go deeper. And, and that right there, not push you, not shove you to go deeper, but invite you to go deeper. And for me, from the very beginning, the thing that leads to no pro-existing is that invitation. Going to an immersive theater piece and being invited to a scene. Even though you don't really have a choice, you, you paid a ticket, of course you're going to go. But that invitation to go deeper um, was, was happening all weekend long. Uh, and, and you could, you could shift which level you were, you were existing in at any given moment. And I will, um,
0: I will yeah. openly admit that I'm going to try really hard when all this part is happening not to cry. Uh, so
1: Aww. that's not a good, oh, it's so okay. much. We cried on the ship. You cry, you can cry yeah. here. Oh, I oh, cry no. a lot
0: on that ship, but, yeah. um, but more so, you know, I think that's, yes, before I go down that road, um. I want to take a step back and talk about your, so you've prepped, Mm -hmm. you've talked on the Zoom, you arrive, and you, I've heard about a gentleman named Eli, is that correct?
2: Mm -hmm. Oh, are you going to ask about the lost data pad? (laughs)
0: I'm not gonna ask
2: about <laughs> a lost data pad.
1: Someone
3: kept losing their data pad.
0: Um <laughs> okay, so data no, pad... we don't
3: have to shame the person who kept losing their data pad. We yeah. could just <laughs> allow that <laughs> to... yeah. small, guys. What are you talking about? And let me
0: clarify that a data it. pad, the data pad is what um down the you would call something that I normally would call my cell phone is a data pad. Um, but so let's before we go to that, because like I'm just thinking of like you 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 arrive. In Orlando, Florida, you pull up. I imagine, pretty certain, you were some of the first to board. Yes, I, I've I've heard reports. That is
4: correct. Yes. <laughs> no,
0: I'm I'm well aware. Uh, and um, what was the first? What was the first few? What was the first hour like? What happened? What what, what was it like? It's not a great question, but uh. I but mean, yeah.
1: I think I think and I'm going to let the, cause I just did a big bit of talking, but the thing that I keep telling everybody is that we, we sort of were uh, on the way there. We were all blessed by the travel gods on the way back. Very different story for some of us, uh, in a deep way to the point where the car, Jessica and Nick were coming from the airport. Graham, Catherine and myself were coming from the double tree. Cause we had gotten the night before. Graham had gotten two nights before Catherine and I arrived the night before. Um, Jessica and Nick's car was the one to arrive immediately after ours. As Eli was checking us in, we were like, "Well, we're, we're not all together yet, our people." Oh, there they are, right? Like we were having that experience. The force was with us to use the parlance, uh, and 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 that kind of that that was sort of setting the initial tone. But I'll I'll, I'll leave the others to talk about the line. And oh yeah, Eli.
2: We were very well taken care of. We are the annoying people who are not a family and wish to have a different credit card associated with every magic band. And they immediately started bringing us cold water bottles and cold towels and frozen grapes. And then everyone has, you know, that moment where you go take a self-portrait in front of the sign because everyone wants that picture in front of the sign. So I think we did like three different devices and several different poses and they were very very accommodating like everyone there is just so welcoming and takes such good care of you and I personally was like okay I think I can deal with, you know, it's it's Orlando, it's muggy, there's a lot of heat, but there's also that energy because people kept coming, getting out of cars, getting out of lifts, and you'd be like, oh, that person's dressed up, this person's, up. oh my god, look at that face makeup, look at that outfit, like, wow, this person's cosplay game is like, you know, right on point, and you get a sense that not only have you come to play, but other people have come to play, and it's just, it just, the magic, like, starts immediately, and it's, I don't know, I feel like, it's kind of hard to describe, like on paper, it doesn't sound that interesting. But the energy of the crowd as it starts to grow, it was something that I personally felt was like, you know, really intense.
0: What I hear you describing or the way I would talk about it, the thing I talk about is like,
2: you see everybody being ready
0: to be present, to be there, like they are there, right then they might be anticipating things, they might be but everything about it, right, is like, that moment, what those what the what those guests do when you or what the guest services do when you first arrive, they're like, they're with you in that moment. Whatever's going on, whatever's happening, and we are all right here, you know. Um, Nick, tell me just because I'm gonna start picking some of people. Tell me like that first hour. So so you've 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 journeyed. You've you your cars have arrived at the same time. Tell me about the first hour and anybody else jump in. But
3: yeah, so we we made some you know because we're all like deep immersive people we made some some like like rules about how we were going to be in character and out of character right that we were we were not going to be in character in the room we were going to be in character outside of the room and we kind of made a decision that we weren't really going to go into character um until we had gotten into the into the star cruiser itself right we were going to like wait until that moment to kind of kick it off and so when we're outside, you know, it's sort of like, you know, we're joking around and taking pictures and building excitement and then we go inside. And I think it's this, I hadn't thought of this actually until we just, you just asked me this, but like, I, I was thinking really hard about, well, why did I feel comfortable like role-playing in this environment? It, and a lot of times, when I, you know, I do a lot of these LARPs and I've done LARPs for a long time and I've done multiple day LARPs and the amount you're in character in a multiple day LARP is really essentially dependent on the environment you're in, Right. If people are in character, then you go in character. If people are out of character, you drop out of character, right? You're, you're responding. And what was remarkable about the first hour of the experience is that the set is so rich and consistent from the moment you get into the hallway that it never drops. And I think a lot in these kind of immersive performances about the idea of something modeling behavior for you, like there's there's got to be things in the space that are telling you how to behave. And I've never had a set do that as powerfully and as in a way, quietly, because it wasn't just that it was Star Wars. It was that was seamlessly Star Wars, right? That the transportation to the Star Cruiser was done like a shuttle and had shuttle sounds and shuttle looks. And then when we're there, there's nothing that doesn't look like it belongs on a Star Cruiser. So I just felt like it was just very simple for me to keep role-playing the whole time, even though I saw people in T-shirts and even though I was interacting with people who weren't, like just the set itself was just so easy to go back to as like oh I'm I'm in this place and and the idea you mentioned the idea of presence and I think uh, I rarely felt so naturally present um, in the ex- in an experience as I did there and I think it was because every there was no viewpoint I had where I wasn't looking at the thing I thought I should be looking at right and in, in terms of like I was always looking through my character's index eyes because the set was always reinforcing syndex reality.
0: Well, and the fiction of that set, right, allows for the person in the t-shirt. It doesn't say that they're breaking anything. So I think, Jessica, what about you that first hour? Or again, you know, like other things? Or what are other things you guys noticed?
5: Yeah, seconded to all of that. I think probably the moment where I I started to, to sink in was Eli was so effortless about talking about uh, where he was from and so it was just the same I don't remember exactly what planet it was but it was the same Eli from lawful. Of, yeah were, where was it Eli's from lawful. Lawful. oh yeah yeah and it was it was like that it was just like oh yeah it's my hometown yeah it's the same way that I would say like oh yeah I'm from Philadelphia or if somebody else was from Philly it would be you know, oh cool I'm from Philly too and it, it just was so uh underplayed in some ways but that made it perfect uh it made me. It set the tone for me to feel like this is going to be, in some ways, a really naturalistic experience. That the human interactions would be very naturalistic, even though the experience itself is uh, is so outside of my Jessica's norm. And that was a really powerful moment for me. Um, and everything else about the experience reinforced that reality, um, that this was a reality that no one was playing at anything. And so, even though intellectually I knew that that was happening, I never felt it. And that is so rare. That is so rare in these experiences. And so I, uh, sort of like what Nick was saying, I just kind of felt at home immediately. This is a place where I can play. This is a place where play is going to be supported. Uh, and it is up to me to not not only to bring my own play, but to be present with those who are playing because everybody's going to pass the ball back. And so that was something that uh, that I trusted immediately. And then that trust was never broken. Um, and so it only got strengthened over the course of the time that we were there. So, yeah, I think in terms of the first hour, the first hour held me, it, it held my hand um, in a way that I felt connected and, and with the piece rather than led by the piece.
4: I, I also just wanted to jump in and say the, uh, y- yes to everything everybody's saying. There was also I, in my work, we usually focus on, you know, People are coming from all over. They've been sitting in traffic, in this case, they've been on planes, and their their headspace is you know probably excited, but but kind of all over the place. I think what Star Cruiser did so well is there was like three or four liminal spaces that brought you deeper and deeper into the world with each space that you ended up in. So you had the curbside where we kind of waited to get checked in, which had some of these hotel you know the the Star Cruiser staff talking to you. Oh, Eli's from Lawful. That's kind of unusual. Then we got brought into a room that uh, was kind of like a, like gray stone, if I remember correctly, and there was like a, a boarding video, like a safety video, and then that was a little bit deeper. Then we got brought into the transport, which got you even more, a, a little, even deeper. And so by the time you get onto the, the atrium, the main part of the ship, you forget that you were just outside in Orlando humidity, and you are in, because you guys take the, 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 the process takes probably an hour to onboard you from the curbside onto the ship, which is perfect.
1: Yeah, there's time to acclimate. Like, I was just talking with Anthony about his experience on Survivor and some like the, the, the show. He was on like the third season, right? And uh, he talked about how they had acclimation time, which, like, I, I, I didn't realize i was part of the process of course they do because they can't just drop them there they'll all die of heat stroke because they're not used to how hot it is in like fiji or wherever they are and this was this was that and also like we were sort of kind of being like narrowed down like the spaces the the space where you get um the orientation video is is large enough people can bill mill about but immediately after a curbside it's like a narrow little Slate gray stone hallway feels like a bunker, and then you get into a slightly bigger space, but then the transport's even smaller, and so this like you're squeezing down, you're squeezing down, and then the opening up into the atrium.
4: Right? It, it's and the Willy like, Wonka moment, right? Yeah, and some of these
1: classic Wonka. Imagineering moves, right? Like we're gonna shrink it down and open it up, right? Like this stuff, but they're classic moves because they they work. And and to Jessica's point about like you know it felt natural, it felt very human, like they brought out cold towels and frozen grapes and it was like frozen grapes how genius right it was so simple i'd never had a frozen grape like you know like i have something i haven't had and i was just like wow this is wonderful like just just sort of like easing you into the idea that you're going to be taken care of which is something that you know you you may not necessarily have had, I mean, some people have done cruises before. So like, Oh yeah, whatever. Like, you know, like every whim is catered to, but like, I'm not one of those people. So like, I don't, I don't know what that process is like. And just the sense that there was like a benevolent force. Uh, they're making sure that, you know, you're going to have a good time. Uh, I also think
0: there's something you're speaking to, which I would point out, which is like, yes, the Chandra, um, cruise line is a luxury cruise line but Mm -hmm. which is the halcyon but i i think all the things you're describing are not about how fancy it is or the luxury Mm -hmm. of it it's the thoughtfulness and the care which Mm -hmm. all of you as immersive makers know and as immersive people right like that the care that like passing from hand to hand the space doing that is what was making that sounds like was making that experience happen um and frozen grapes being like another piece of that care, right? It wasn't like frozen grapes on a cold day, it was frozen grapes on a Orlando hot day, right? (laughs) Um, Yeah, Catherine.
2: And just to go back to what Noah was saying, um, that, that irising in and out and the lens opening up to that magnificent atrium with the two giant hollow tubes and windows out into space and a space map on the balcony above you and you just walk around going like, oh, right, I'm in space. Like there's no part of your brain that thinks I'm not in space. And I think um, the, the other four of y'all were like running around and doing stuff. And I remember hanging on the atrium and SK-620 just waltzes in. That's and the
1: droid, the astromech, everybody.
2: So looks very much like R2-D2 from the original Star Wars trilogy. And then a performer in an alien costume walks in and immediately starts interacting with the other guests. And not only are you so in this
0: Yes, uh, a, uh the
2: yeah. backing musician, yeah. uh, part yep. of Gaia's entourage. And I was like, oh, right. Um, this hasn't kicked off yet. These They're just talking to people in the audience. But this is Star Wars. Oh, my God, it's Star Wars. There's a droid and there's an alien. And she's talking to this older gentleman in an Aloha shirt. And he's saying, oh, my goodness, it's so glad to see you again. And she responds back in an alien language and he says, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm like, what what, what conversation is this? They're acting like old friends and it just felt like I'm witnessing a reunion and then I'm also witnessing the families aboard the ship, the kids, all of the kids who are kind of shy about approaching the droid because they want to interact with the droid and the droid having these responses and it, it really feels alive, the way that it's beeping and booping and spinning and I just remember standing there being like, where am I? How did they do this?
0: So now we're in, now we're on, on the ship, which was a great transition, Catherine. Well done. Um, Cause I'm, I'm, I'm looking at time and going like, we could talk about this for hours. And so I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like, I'm just gonna talk about day one for a second. So you're on the ship. I love Catherine how you just described it, right? Like you sat in the atrium and had an experience. Like I always say, as we were building it, there's there is no one type of participation. Sitting and being in that space is participating, and you get to do that as much as you want to run. But I'm interested: who went running? Where did you run? What did you find? Where did you go? Did you go to the cabins first? do your cabin first? Like, just like a quick overview. What? Where, I am I am in space now.
1: Go. I'll do the short run. Uh we hit the cabin. I think all of us hit the cabin uh first off. We just like g- partly because also to like to hold to our rule of like in character, out of character. So like one one quick beat level, like, okay, cool, and where's everybody going? Great. See ya. I jetted off to the Crown of Kirlia dining room uh and got uh the uh you because it was lunchtime and I want to get a snack. Uh, I think I was the very first person to arrive. Uh, I found a piece of flatbread that had like chicken tikka and paneer. I was over the moon because Indian food is my favorite. And the one thing I wish there was at Batu was Indian food. And so already the first thing I put in my mouth, I'm like, oh, I'm already 1000% happy. Grabbed some blue milk and made a beeline to the gift shop because I didn't have any Star Cruiser of cosplay and so i had to go on a shopping trip first thing and ran into other people doing the exact same thing and was instantly getting my cruise on because like i had that cup and i just set it down somewhere and like just forgot about it i'm like oh, okay here we are right and so i was starting to slip into cirque a little bit but also had some NOAA needs like you know like that i need to attend to and got got into that mode and then actually I had to like jump back and forth I had to go a couple of times uh to get the right size on something and then once i was in you know uh it was it was it was time just to kind of like slide into and start exploring and uh and just finding my way around and it was just looking at all the little details and kind of figuring out what's up
2: i'm trying yeah. to remember but uh, i think we all like we're doing our own independent exploring from like around 1ish to 4 yeah. And then muster happened, and then that's when like the story really starts to kick off. And then immediately we start getting uh, interactions. I think, Garm, you were you were cozying up to Lieutenant Croy like real fast.
4: <laughs> well, I think that they, they had started. They had. I, I remember the, the there was a, a point with the First Order. Was it the droid who told us about the? Was it the room droid that told us about the First Order? Yeah, so we had, and none of the actors had talked about that yet, but the room droid had mentioned this to us. Right. Uh, and the actors, were, or sorry, not the actors, the, the 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 crew was acting a little jumpy anytime we brought it up. They're like, "No, we we don't know what you're talking about." Um. Uh, but yeah, I, so I, I I think I was I was trying to make a point of 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 keeping my options open very early on. One of the fun things about muster for me was. I legitimately was thinking this was a safety muster, like on a cruise ship. I had forgotten that I wasn't. And I remember turning to them at one point and being like, oh wait. We're not actually in space or There's a no
0: life vests.
4: <laughs> I, I like, don't oh, know what is... you
0: mean, Graham. It was
1: real. <laughs> we were in space Garm. We were in space.
4: <laughs> we were, but but it was I, I was so dropped in. I legitimately I legit like my I was I was it didn't even cross my mind that there wasn't like a, that this was a, a sh, sh- there was uh, show reasons for this as opposed to, like, general, like, weekend safety reasons for this. This
1: but is sort at of the, the fun same part time. about being with Graham yeah. was that because he hadn't LARPed before, like, and and wasn't as, like, dyed in the wool on Star Wars. There, there was a few times basically we basically pulled the wool over over Graham's eyes just as we were playing. And just moments that I actually even have on video of, of Graham being, like, all, wait, is this? is this are you just making this up or is this real and the answer is like yes uh and it's and it and it it made it so much fun because it kind of in some ways graham was sort of like our built-in audience and so much of this started with like graham on the day that you things started to happen long before was like i want to go and i want to take you and i'm like if we can find a way sure so like i i had you know I, I got to be Graham's entertainment a few times, and, and I was thankful for
2: being. To do oh, that. Graham! Graham was definitely my entertainment multiple times. <laughs> Dropping Lieutenant Croy's name during some of the rides, thinking it would get him somewhere. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> and the people on the rides uh like giving him crap for it right so like lieutenant
3: yeah if lieutenant croy was anything important he would have a star cruiser instead of being on that cruise yeah
1: (laughs) yeah like there was some saltiness from uh the batu uh batu bound so uh, the context
0: you're you go on an excursion to batu then on your second day and you're on rise of the resistance let's say yeah That this is where it happened yeah Right. Yeah. What were you going to do on Rise of the Resistance? Did you have a task you had to do? For, I mean, I don't want you to let out any
4: secrets, but right. Yes. Yes. We, yeah. we had tasks that we had to accomplish, but and I think we we were still obvious. I mean, we were obviously in character at this moment, and so we we're like, oh, we're on, we're on. I'm like, no, don't worry, guys. Like we we know Croy. Like let's let's use that to our advantage, and maybe they'll go easier on us. It, it and the guy, and
0: somebody on the somebody there said to what did they say.
1: Oh, more than one Both person. Somebody.
3: Yeah, <laughs> basically, basically that Croy, that Croy was not, not uh, like if if Croy had any respect within the first order, he wouldn't be on that cruise ship, and just sort of dismissed his name as anything that would be of value, which led us into this nice spiral of like. Why did you think this would help us? We're like now trapped on an, on a first order ship going ship the way to interrogation, you know.
4: But, but from like a grand perspective, like, holy crap, you guys trained the ride staff in the world? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like they didn't skip a beat. Nobody skipped a beat.
1: Yeah. Uh, w- w- which is, you know, someone who's been on those rides in in Anaheim more than once. Although actually maybe maybe not maybe not rise actually uh, maybe rise maybe this one I've been on it
4: th- like four times
1: yeah like it, to see them recontextualized uh, was really cool uh, particularly this idea that like you know you can keep on playing there and and. In the rides, I think we were, I think walking around on day two, to jump ahead a little bit, when we were walking around about two, I think we, we had sort of, we were falling more into like, okay, we're people, we're not our characters for a lot of it, unless we were on mission. We'd have a little, we'd have a little beats when we were on mission, where we would like mission, you know, talk with each other. Uh, but when we were in one of the rides or in Ogas, we like slipped back into like our star Cruiser personas and that was really cool and then of course we also made the we, we made a tactical choice to go outside to go check out star tours uh, which uh, garm Garm gave a give give a give a context for that we were checking out the CSL uh, competition uh, but walking outside of that part of the park you know Zay Amsbury, years ago when we first took zay amsbury to uh galaxy's edge and zay knows disneyland real well uh zay was our, our original new york coordinator uh walking out of galaxy's edge uh zay was like i just got ontological vertigo right this like sense of like everything's like just like wrong being in the room part of disneyland and this is someone who loves disney like i i, I you know for for all of the things i i was born and raised in that park essentially and walking into hollywood studios which which i keep having to remember to call not call mgm studios and, and
4: it wasn't far like we're talking it's no. like one of the closest rides to yeah it's it was good. the
1: muppet vision and 10, ten and,
2: minutes tops
1: yeah but somehow just, we
2: left the resistance camp and
3: blah. It,
1: <laughs> it just not even 10 like two minutes two minutes away and you're just like oh this is wrong and there's nothing wrong with that theme park it's a great theme park it's wonderful it's lovely but when you're When you're in a different bubble, it's just like yeah. We
2: were we were deep in the Halcyon and the Halcyon world. Like the reason you're on Batu is actually because you need these secret plans or to make contact with this person or to find out the location of this. And you need to come like do your thing and come back to the ship with the secret information that you've like procured from Ogas by saying the right thing to the bartender. Like it all starts to make sense and it's all got this cohesiveness. And then you break it by leaving and you're like i don't like this i want to go back yeah, where's I mean, my cold towel it's where's like the opposite
0: towel? of it's the opposite of the transition on that we yeah. were just talking about right <laughs> but i, I want the opposite I go... of in
3: <laughs>
5: like
3: un-mersion. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I really want to go back to this point, though, about the about the about the moment on the ride when when they respond to us about Croy, because I think, you know, like, like, there's this, you know, you mentioned that there's a sort of spectrum of, of responses from like, the, you know, and we talked a lot about this. This was what we were talking about until 3am was essentially like, you know, like, like, how do you handle people at different levels of immersion and different levels of participation and for me personally, um, and I don't I don't want to speak for everybody, but for me personally as Nick, I, what was really fascinating was I expected there to be crew members who would hold the narrative line against people who were really floundering or were deliberately trying to violate it. And I expected them to kind of encourage people into the narrative. But what I did not expect in a million years and was by a mile the most mind-blowing thing about this experience was that if you threw a ball at them, they didn't like, there's a, a there's a Aikido that people do in these performances to sort of like, I'm not going to remember what you said. There's 300 of you, whatever. I'm just going to like pass this by, right. That I'm, I'm used to in immersive performances. And instead what happened is they would retain it. They mm-hmm. would absorb it into their narrative. They would, they would like, like react to you in realistic ways. They would remember it hours later and the then next day weave it into content that they needed to do. I've never seen that. Before. I, I've only seen that in LARPs where I was participating with other participants who were doing that, right? Like, and even then, that doesn't happen that often. The idea that someone who was like in the crew thinking about the plot, thinking about the experience of all of these people still taking care of me, right? Just because, and I mean, literally, there's a moment in, I mean, I won't, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but there's a moment in a one on one with Ray where I literally just improvised something while I was walking down a hallway like just off the top of my head that came up in the scene, the major scene later on as a reference point. And I'm tell
0: you can tell. Tell tell what happened. What happened?
3: Okay, so so without going into the whole I mean it will back up into it at a certain point, but like Mm -hmm. in the middle of the journey on the first day, because of like the person I'm just gonna praise as like the the most incredible performer of the whole thing, which was Sajakir, which was just everything that happened, that Sajakir did, the scene in the climate simulator where you, where, where she senses that there's something going on with the forest and then rocks magically move. Um, Everything she did was just incredible. And she took very careful care of me in, in really an amazing way. I, I just can't speak highly enough of how that plot were moved, but she ended up sort of giving me kind of like off data pad, meaning outside of a formal schedule information about being in a place. And when I was there, when I went to the place that she told me to go to at this off minute thing, like, at, you know, be here at 6.03, right, kind of moment, I ran into Ray, right, like like just hiding in a corridor. And, you know, like that, and, that, and I one did a one-on-one, which was cool, and we were just talking, and I was in character the whole time. But as we were walking away, and, you know, more people are gathering, and we're, we start moving into a plot where Ray is sneaking around the ship because there are things Ray has to do on the ship and Ray can't get caught. I just offhandedly mentioned because my character is becoming force sensitive oh i just so you know and i and it's it's basically with this delivery syndex says just so you know you're like radiating energy and and ray's like what do you mean and i mean and i'm saying i can just feel you behind me there's a there's this energy coming off of you that's so strong i've never felt anything like it and she just records that and then we just keep going right like that's it we don't say anything else about it and then Later on, like again, like like this is like an hour and a half later, at least. There's a big scene where a bunch of people are gathered in a room, and Ray is monologuing about something that Ray sees, and Ray just turns to me as I'm sitting in the audience and says, sindak you said something about energy rating off of me earlier. Can you explain that to everybody?" And then I did, and she used that as an entry to talk about the Force, to then talk about the the Jedi object that had been recovered. And that was masterful, right? Like that that was clearly some place that she was going, but she had found something in the play that she could hold on to. And she didn't just hold on to it. She remembered it was me. She knew that I could deliver it. So she let me deliver it, which was cool, because then I became one of three people interacting in the scene. And it got where the plot needed to go, right? It didn't derail the plot in any way. And that, like... You know, well, and, drama, and this is right?
1: this isn't the only you know performer like the, the Ray performers doing that. You know, here you know, is the source of you know the the galactic wide lesson of never follow Saja to a second location, uh, and uh, in a good funny way. Uh, and then <laughs> you know, um, the, the actor playing Wraith, right? Like, the, or the actor playing Sandro. You know, we'd have these moments with someone, and then they're treating their characters like they're real people and that we are real people. Like we're all being present with each other in the moment and all playing the moment. Like it's real.
0: Can I ask you a question?
1: Yeah. They
0: were real people, right? Yeah. 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 Right. These were real people. I'm just, I'm actually just saying this as a fact, like they are real people. They're real people standing there with you. What you mean is like they're, Interacting with you from themselves, right. like, or right, like, yeah. I mean, not only to differentiate of like we've talked about droids and we've talked about oh
1: yeah, right? these like, are actors. These are these actors. Are... These are actors who are physically there, who are not on a screen. Although it's sometimes they are on screens because of the way it works, uh, which is you're very s- subtle and clever, right? And they are the the feat that they are doing that impresses all of us so much is that like a like an improv game. They are doing callbacks. They're pulling things back, and not just from like five minutes ago, but long form style from an hour ago. From and, and it's not just one, right? It's it's who's playing Ray? It's who's playing Kier? It's who's playing Linka? It's who's playing Wraith? And it's going all along, and and it gets you into these loops
4: with them uh, that that Graham, keep complexity. Yeah,
0: Graham. And then I feel like Jessica as well. Yeah, Graham, go for it.
4: Well, I—I I mean, I would—I'll I'll, one—one that I remember specifically, who I think there's a there's a the way the show is structured is there's a few sort of main quest tr- tracks that you can fall onto, um, but there's a couple there's a number of characters who aren't really related to that, and so this one character, Sandro, who's sort of a musician character and is sort of dressed as a passenger to the point where I was like, is this just a guy with a really good cosplay and a cool guitar, and then saw an earpiece and, and re- but but I we. I, initially I thought he was a reformer. And I was like, wait a second, is this just a random cruise guy? But we had, we had moments from the first couple of hours on the ship that developed. We had an entire arc where we just met. I was a nightclub owner. He was a musician. It developed over a couple of days. Then we, he was playing shows at the club. Then we had a record deal. Then all of a sudden in the finale, this some of this stuff gets brought up in the finale of the whole thing in front of the ent- entire, you know, 250, 300 person audience. And we had an entire, you know, none of this is scripted. None of this is on menu, right? This is he as, you know, he is as a person just went on this journey with me specifically. And that was really, really, really special, particularly in that environment with, you know, with that many people that have to keep track of.
1: And the greatest gonk rock concert, uh, you know, in, in the galaxy happened. So, you know.
0: Jessica, talk to me about any moment that like, I mean, I'll go back to, right, we have these terms in immersive where we use the words one-on-one or we're now referring to other things of improv, all those things. I would say that there's maybe different language. I wouldn't even say it. Someday, when, when, when I talk about it more openly and it's not about that, I think there's different language for this because it's actually some of the structures that we're used to being structures are not structures. And some of the things that we're not used to being structures are structures, right? But the thing that is the most true you can ask any single one of them, they are truly having those experiences with you. And like 100%. And so I'm interested in the moments like that you guys are describing, Jessica, is there a moment for you where you were like, oh, I'm here with this person that like stands out for you?
5: Yeah, that was actually exactly what I was thinking about as we've been talking is the these moments that, there were moments that felt, highly theatrical and highly personal in the ways that make immersive so special. But it, w- it was so excellent. It was so actually awesome in the way that it, it felt. I felt awe so many times in this piece. In that I felt special the whole time, but I felt special in a way that didn't make me feel FOMO in the way that a lot of immersive also does, or in a way that makes it feel hierarchical sometimes, or like I can feel sad if I'm not a part of something where it feels like I've done something wrong. Even though as someone who's deep and immersive, I know these things to be untrue. There is still something about going through an experience and knowing In some worlds, you can pay more to be special. In Mm. some immersive worlds, you get chosen at random. It's luck. In others, there's a way to play the game or you know people. But there are these, these worlds at play that we as participants at times don't know the exact details of what's happening, even if we know the world of immersive really well. And inside the Halcyon, I... I felt special. I felt cared for. I did not feel FOMO, and I did not feel like I was getting an experience that wasn't available and open to everybody who was there, and that felt really incredible. The openness to the experience, and also the responsiveness. And so, to literally ground that, there was a moment early on when uh, all of us ended up out in the what is that a climate simulator, and just to to really add context to this, we were all seeing this sign on the inside that says climate simulator, and it wasn't open yet when we got on board. And so we were curious, what is this? Is it projection mapping? What's it going to be? And then we opened the door and it's Florida. It's, I mean, it's in world, but it, it's a,
2: it's an open it's, space.
0: It's a simulator of Batu. Right? Yes, my apologies. It's in a in a world world <laughs> <laughs> seems
2: high-tack. to be seems to be broken because yeah. it's yeah. only ever simulating Batu. No, no, that's because no, we were at going Batu the It for Batu. It's
0: not broken. That is, yeah. it is simulating Batu. It is a very good simulation of Batu.
1: It's high.
0: Yes.
3: Yeah,
5: yeah.
0: It was laugh out loud funny for me. it was
5: one of the. It was so delightful. And I mean, it was just like one of those really subtle, absolutely hilarious things about the piece. And that enough, like if that had just been the joke, great. But the part of the thing that makes the world so special for me and like it makes these moments so special was the build. There was a theatrical build with highly naturalistic interactions and uh, interactions that were again, super responsive to us and and so emergent from the group that was present from the four of us ending up in this climate sim with Sajakir, who is having this conversation with us about what the force is, that really felt like it came from our own philosophical curiosities and and assumptions in character about what the force is. And so at one point she just invited us to, there's, there's this big rock garden in this climate sim. And so she invited us to come sit on the edge of this rock garden, stick our feet in and build little cairns on top of the larger rocks. And so we're sitting there having this conversation about focus, about intentionality, about good, about evil, about all of these things that I wanna talk about all the time anyway, but we're doing it in world and character. We're doing something with our hands and having this kind of uh, bonding moment for all of us. And, And then she just very smoothly transitioned into having us close our eyes and see if we can feel feel the space, feel the experience, feel our connection to each other, feel these things that we have been talking about in an embodied way, what had just been philosophical and heady a moment before. And as we have our eyes closed, suddenly I can hear the rocks falling. These little cairns that we had built up are, are tumbling down. And then we open our eyes and there's a rock moving across the surface of one of the larger rocks. And it was this moment of going from Oh, we are here. We are cared for. There is a metaphor at play. There's a world in which we get to, to play the force as meditation, as focus. And then there's the fact that there is magic happening in this world, too. And that to me, that just that the build from the humor to the comfort to the personal to the metaphor, to the magic, it just kept going. And things like that happened over the course of the entire experience. So where there were these like bubble moments that were so beautiful. And we had been, I think, the initiators of that scene, or, or at least around in the very beginning of that scene. But others who were in the climate sim at the time were brought in as well if they wanted to be there. And so there was there was also just this openness that didn't feel, it did not feel exclusive at all. Um, and then we got to walk away with these artifacts. We got to take a stone with us and that was a pivotal mo- moment for my character nerb and also just a moment where i jessica was was utterly in awe of the scale and the scope and the breadth and the care of the storytelling and the ways that the mechanics and the narrative and the training and the participants all came together it
2: it was flawless it was a really flawless scene catherine you're about to see the. Yeah. well i you guys it's been like an hour Did we even talk about Wraith yet? Oh my God, how do we not (laughs) talk about Wraith? Wraith? So we're talking about Wraith, Wraith Wraith Cole. Wraith Cole. So one of the things that always strikes me about the design of this experience is slight spoiler, but whatever, like you do get glimpses of the iconic characters from the films, but the actors who you're primarily interacting with, of course, over the course of two days, they are not from the movies. They are not from the shows. They are original characters which means you get to meet them for the first time. And this just leaves a lot of space because you don't know how the captain's story is supposed to go. You don't know how Lenka's story is supposed to go. So there's this openness and this generosity where, as you were saying, Michael, it is happening to all of you. The story is happening to everyone aboard the Halcyon in real time. They are real people. And they're interacting with you and you are finding things out together. Um, you know, the First, the first Order is taking control of the ship. Oh, well, what's like Sandra's response going to be? How does Gaia feel about like all of that is in play? And one of the things that, you know, people love about Star Wars is, is the underworld, right? The scoundrels, the thieves, the smugglers. And that all gets wrapped up in this extremely charming, very funny kind of mysterious character where you don't quite know where Wraith's loyalties lie at first. And then if he lets you into his inner circle, you find out he is on the side of like justice and writing a terrible galactic wrong, something that was stolen from a people. And you, my co-conspirators on the Halcyon, like we are going to fix it. And just being let into that, feeling like, you know, it's Ocean's Eleven, like, and you get to be part of the heist. Yeah. That to me was something that just felt like, of course, everything has been leading up to this moment. Like, of course, we're the ones to do it. And he's got a plan and there's going to be a bagman and a swapperoo. And we're going to do like an Indiana Jones, you know, put this here. And, oh, let's create a bunch of distractions. And, of course, the making of the distractions and Noah's ability to improvise with the timeshares of Dantooine. Oh, that was a different what? heist. I know, two heists. I know, there's multiple yeah. heists. Um, <laughs> so we could talk about the timeshares of Dantooine, but I also want to call out Nick improvising in front of the captain. The captain busts in at our secret meeting, and Noah says uh uh we're uh we're making a new version of sabacc and what yeah, we it's call called
4: healthy it? on shuffle well, we, we were we were desi- the, we were designing the heist which we got to make up and they were using Sabak cards to sort of indicate um... So let's
0: go a step back let's go yes. a step back for a second yeah. just to give context so day one you meet wraith cole
4: even before we
1: even meet him Day one, you start getting data pad messages from Wraith Cole. And we're like, who is this guy? And we were all talking, like, who's it? Are you getting messages from the Wraith guy? Who's this guy? I don't know who this guy is. He's, Have you any, has any of us seen this guy? And that was really cool because we're wondering, here's this character. We don't know about he's got a picture, so I guess he's gonna show up, but like we don't know. We don't know why it's happening here. And so we start to be trickled into his storyline and we're not too sure where
4: who's where his loyalties are. He's off. sussing and,
0: you out, right? Exactly. He's 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 figuring out who. He can trust one. And might. he
4: he started yeah. reaching out to us after we were playing. We hacked into some part of the ship, so yeah. you he reaches out after he tells that you already have some sort of slicing ability.
0: Totally. So he reaches out to you. You meet him. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump through this so we get to heist heistness because again this is the beauty of it. Uh, I I happen to know some things. So, um, so he he meets you. You probably he's also. Uh, you meet him at the muster. Did you guys chat with him at the no. muster?
1: No. Okay.
0: But he steps up at the muster, right? He announces himself because he is what? He is... Uh, what Gaia is Gaia's he? manager. He's Gaia's manager. And Gaia is a galactic superstar, right? I'm doing this fast, sorry. So jump in if... if Whatever. Gaia is this galactic superstar. He's her manager. And um, he jumps up. And then you... Mm-hmm. Do, do you see him again before? Got you go to see to dinner and see Gaia's show.
4: We didn't really get to talk to Wraith until the end of evening one. I think it was actually a character we all kind of were curious about because we were getting messages, but we didn't actually. I think other people did, but we didn't actually get to talk to him until I think Gaia's concert.
0: Yeah. Great. So you go to dinner, which is around like you've been there now. You've you had a muster at four o'clock. You're at dinner around like eight o'clock, right? Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. So, like,
2: you. So are... We've been playing for several hours, yeah. and we're like, "Oh, finally, we get a chance to connect with him."
3: I also, right. I also like the rhetoricalness of that question. You went to dinner around like eight o'clock, <laughs> I know, because I know.
1: <laughs> dinner, I know. The itinerary. We can get our itineraries. Out but it. yeah. No, you don't People, need to. We, it's we, all we, we, yeah. Yeah, we yeah. were all, I mean, we were primed, we wanted to meet Wraith. I think all of us were curious as to who this guy was at this point, and we hadn't had an interaction with him. And we were hoping, like, maybe we'll get to see this guy at dinner and have an interaction with him at dinner. And, and we did. It's almost, it's almost like a, a hazy blur. But, like, we, we, go into, we go into a patter with him, and, it's, and the patter's good right you know we just sort of like talk our way in he just- came and sat down with us yeah it
5: was it was such a beautiful moment we were just having dinner and all of a sudden this character we've been so curious about slides into the booth with us was it because we were dancing like
4: idiots is that what happened or was that i afterwards? think it was
5: before we were dancing like before- idiots.
0: it was before it was before gaia the gaia show right you were just at dinner Yes. Yeah. Yeah? yeah yeah so so before gaia comes out and performs he comes over and chats with you guys what what is he chatting with you about
1: It's a little. I mean, funny thing is, like, I felt to some degree a little starstruck at that point because we hadn't met this guy, and whatever, however, winds up shaking out. We do, we do get him tagging us into the stuff he's going. He's like, I'm looking for some folks to like, you know, help out with with some stuff I've got going on here. And we had already been doing datapad stuff with him. So we're like, "Oh, oh yeah, yeah. No, we know." And, right.
2: And, and we were all going to Batu tomorrow and he really needed someone to go to Batu on his behalf. Right.
1: And so there's 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 that aspect of it. But then but then on top of it, much like Nick's deal with the Saja of like show up at this time, we get an off the books invitation. It's like, "Hey, come around at this specific time tomorrow.
2: 403, no younglings allowed.
1: (laughs) Right. And that that was very appealing. The no younglings part was very appealing because I was like two pod racers then at that point. Um, And uh, it's funny because that also like set some things into tension because like a lot of, some of us have designs on like the sabak tournament. And indeed, uh, Nerb winds up, I'll let Jessica tell what happens to the sabak tournament. So I'm
0: just going to get us to day one, right? So race. Day one, you have this interaction with him. He chats at yeah. Gaia's show. Sorry, because I want to get to the right. Spock tournament, which is day two.
1: Yeah.
0: Any other interactions with Wraith day one?
1: I don't, what else happened? don't Do you- really think we have anything else that night that, that doesn't really serve on the memory.
2: There's so much that happens in I know. In yeah. each hour, it just feels like, really? Was that really only an hour between this and that and the other thing? Like, it's well, I mean, the,
3: really, there's really a, intense. <laughs> there's a set piece of the, of the, of the, is the theft is that night or is the theft the next day?
1: theft's the next day. Yeah. That's almost like kicking, and early on, right? Because like, basically the minute the shuttle closes, like the last shuttle comes back and it's like, here we go. The story starts
0: well, 4.03, out. you had to meet it, yeah. right? Yeah. And four so o'clock four... is
1: the last shuttle back. Sure.
0: Bat-2. So yeah. on 403, you have to meet Wraith on day two, mm-hmm. and you meet him. And, and so I want to go back for a second. So Wraith, prior to that, has he sent you a message to explain what he needs you to do?
2: Oh, yeah. The oh. whole entire backstory, who the stone actually belongs to, what his plan is to swap it out for a ringer, and the fact that you have to go to Batu to get the ringer made.
1: I mean, he did that in person in the, in the dining hall. Right. So like we're 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 basically we're invited to a heist. And going back what years ago, uh, one of the first questions I put to Sarah Thatcher, who's also one of the the leads on the project, was, am I going to get to steal the ship or is there some kind of heist here? Like, I want to do a heist because there's something about like, you know, you're in a you're in you're in like the upper echelons in Star Wars. And whenever you're in the upper echelons in Star Wars someone's got to be trying to boost something like there's there's just a need for that and here was that and it had like all these like you know there were there were good moral ethical reasons for for doing this heist but it was also a heist which is exceptionally fun uh and and that leads us to that moment at that 403 meeting where we're getting the you got to plan the heist and so here's the planning of the heist
0: so you guys are in a small space you're planning a heist, mm-hmm. and the captain comes upon you,
3: and Our Nick, secret meeting,
0: no! And your secret- well, <laughs> yeah. it could be problematic, right? Because to be fair, Wraith is doing this- Not he's not doing it for the First Order, and he's not doing it for the Resistance. He's doing this- this is, like you said, scoundrels, so captain comes upon it, that could be a problem, right? So Nick, mm-hmm. what happens-
3: so there's a there's a map that's being drawn on the floor, uh, using sabak cards that's sort of laying out the the atrium so that he can start you know like like basically you know like doing the the X's and zero movement of the players about how the heist is going to go. And the captain walks in and Noah says, "Oh, we're, we're doing a new version of sabak. It's called the Halcyon, Halcyon shuffle. shuffle, right?" And as and 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 so the captain is like, "Okay, how do you play it?" and this is where like so i'm a i'm a game designer that's what i do right so and- i look at the floor and i just make up halcyon shuffle on the spot i'm like oh yeah there's like you it's like sabaki so that you lay out a set of cards in the middle of the table and then you flip them over one at a time and the players can draw from those cards rather than drawing from the cards that they get but the cards are frozen like they're normally frozen in sabak but of course you have a number of rounds (laughs) and the
1: look on captain keaton's face was just like oh i can't believe they're doing like there's a look of like this actually sounds plausible and 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 it's it's
2: just so fun Do you remember the conversation we had going to breakfast?
3: I don't know what what was it.
2: We were walking down the hall because we were the first to get ready, and you were complaining to me that Sabak wasn't as interesting as it could be.
3: Oh yeah 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 yeah. I had already this has been it was spinning in the back of my head. I'm gonna make Halcyon Shuffle by the way. I'm like already working on it. Uh, just because, like, I think I, I think I know what I want it to do, and, and Noah has already offered his Sabak group as a testing group. So, yeah, I would we're, love we're t-
0: to, I'd love to learn it, Nick. Once you, once you make it, well,
1: and, it. And, and Nick, if you want to talk in depth on it, like, there's, there's things, like, there's things that maybe you don't know about, like more standard Sabak, like you know, either, either Mid Rim or, <laughs> or Cloud City Royal, that could influence it. That can kind of, kind of mix the beauty of both Coruscant Shift, which is what you play. On on the Star Cruiser with sort of the more traditional forms of Sabak that have interesting trump hands, in it.
0: and now I feel like I'm at dinner with you guys. I, I
2: feel it. I just felt well, it. Well, I mean, someone pulled a move, and they were mixing up the rules between the Krillian Spike and the Halcyon. Like it. Mm- yeah, yep. but then
3: then of course, Garm threw it all under the bus.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Garm? Garm. Was, that, was that the next? That was that interaction, wasn't that it? That was yeah. that
1: interaction. Garm starts taking. The captain to task for running an unsafe ship, and it <laughs> was a gas. It was so just like it was. Or why at that moment insane.
0: was that the time to do it? You were you were adamant. What was unsafe? What was the yeah? So I
4: so all all we were. I mean, we got we were doing this heist for this character, and then the captain comes out and says, "Hey, you guys are are putting you know putting us at risk. This is dangerous. How dare you guys do this?" And I and I was like. Captain, you've been like the first order is here because you guys have been sloppy for the resistance, <laughs> so and, and and you've been putting us all in danger. We're we're here trying to scout for this team, this hollow drama. We're trying to do business with the cruise line, and here you are getting us, you know, mixed up in this first order stuff. You're, 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 every single stop you're doing, first order resistance stuff happens. That's so slut, you know? And so, and then just How, did How did she react? How did she react to that? Me. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. The captain
0: is a powerhouse. Like you don't, wow. It's okay. Well, I, you
4: know, and I, once again, this is my first LARP. So I wasn't sure- No,
0: you did everything I, right. Yeah.
4: yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, Alex- did I just push
4: the actor too hard?
0: No, you did everything. Everything you guys, I just want to say this, like Garm, everything you did is, is right. Like you were being a human with that person, right? Like, and that person was then a human back to you, which is, I'll just note one of the most complex parts of doing an experience like this at Disney, where you're also training that like, sometimes people are wrong. And sometimes it's a no. And sometimes there are boundaries. And sometimes there are all of those things, right? So the captain being able to like articulate a boundary isn't bad. We as human beings should get better at having conflict and being able to communicate boundaries. So like in my world of how I think about that, that is that's amazing that that happens because then you learn like, oh, if I do something, someone's going to tell me too far. As but it wasn't too far for her as an actor. You were right, right? right? Yeah. Like I mean, if you were abusive, that'd be different. But you no, weren't. No, no, no. You were in it, right? Like I'm not saying but so wait, yeah. I want to go back. You said that something happened there for you in this moment. Is this true? Or did Noah, you brought up something, that
1: no. Cause like, so the thing about it is like, we, we, we speed, we speed ran that too. Right. I mean, look at us, right. You know, of course we, we fit everything. We were done with the rides within like 45 minutes and then we hit up Oga's and like, you know, Nick went to, 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 um,
2: my God. Savi's workshop. Savi's, yeah. I I but, it's, like, it's we're, doing missions, do we're
1: doing missions, doing missions. We were also in the first
4: transport. We were also yeah. there very early. And the
1: scanning And the scanning was good, uh, but, you know, like, uh, as it is. And and we were back for lunch on the ship, which, if, if anyone's going, so and it's, good. It's, the way, it's the way to go. And we were, we managed to, like, slide into the Sabak tournament. And this was- So this I'm going to go for back me.
0: for a second and yeah. just break code of a little bit of things you said, which is that- uh, it's day two. You're yeah. uh, on the first, so we we talked about day one a little bit. Maybe we'll go back, but you're on the first shuttle because there's a transport going down to Batu, yeah. right? And you that an transport, yeah. you have an excursion just like a cruise, and that transport as you take it, uh, what is it? It's like a, it's a transport ship, correct? Yeah,
2: space bus. Yeah,
0: it's a space, yeah, it's a space, space bus, bus, but it's a transport yeah. ship. It's and- also
2: where they play jazz music, and Jessica asked us, "What is this?" <laughs>
5: It's
2: jizz music. Yeah. Jizz wailer. One of like six times. It had been
5: mentioned so many times in character and out of character. I had no idea what anybody was talking about. So I had to wait till a moment where I could actually ask that was going to be, that could be out of character, which I think wasn't, it wasn't the transport, but that was the one that triggered it for me. And then finally, when we were out of character, I was like, what is jizz music? Is it a metaphor? (laughs) (laughs) What is happening?
4: Because Cirque and Sandro had had created, Of of extremely real-sounding jizz song improv. Yes.
0: So okay. So we're on the transport. You're going to Batu, right? Which is the the um, Galaxy's Edge. It's the theme, but it's the outpost on the cruise that you're going to, right? As an excursion from the cruise, you get down there, and you guys have been sent messages on your data pad that you had missions you needed to do. So I think what you were saying, Noah, just to reiterate, is like you guys get down there first, transport off the ship. You get through your missions. You go to Oga's Cantina. Uh, Cantina, Nick, you do some sabbies, uh, Get yourself your own personal lightsaber. Um, and you guys are back up by lunchtime, mm-hmm. back on the Halcyon uh, with have a delicious lunch, and then there is a sabak tournament.
1: There's a sabak tournament, which I'm making a beeline for, and and Nerb and Garm also come through.
2: Noah brought a special outfit to wear.
1: I I had I. Had, you know, I I was in my cosplay, but I also like you know I I decided to make like a world series of poker joke and like I got sunglasses and a ball cap so that like no one could read my expression. You know, having a blast because uh, you play
0: sabak, you've played sabak before, correct? I've played
1: sabak. Look, I've played many variants of sabak before, and then also the hollow table, uh, which is upstairs in the sublight lounge, which we were we were playing around on. I think the night before, like four of us actually, we got a chance for four of us to actually play together, and. The version of Sabacc that's on uh, the Halcyon is a different version from ones that have been established in the canon before. Sabacc goes all the way back to the L. Neil Smith um, uh, novels that were about Lando Carizian. so they kind of suggested the shape of that thing back in the 80s, uh, and it's, it's you know, legendarily, you know, and you see in the movie Solo, Han Solo wins the Millennium Falcon in a Sabacc game, and Sabacc you know for for those from the outside it's a little bit like poker a little bit like blackjack it's this fusion in there in that there's target numbers and there's over and under but in but in a lot of versions of Sabak, you can make these wacky hands and in the one that's on the ship it's a little more about hitting the numbers up or down um and we sort of learned that version i hadn't played that version before myself and the table there's no instructions at the at the hollow table you just kind of kind of figure out how the game works by playing it which is actually also a wonderful metaphor for the whole of the star cruiser right and it's a well enough constructed simple game simple version of Sabak that it still feels true to those of us who know truer in some ways than some other versions that have released the past couple of years uh so the the fact that we get to go and have this tournament it's kind of exciting but the tournament and the 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 finale of the tournament is scheduled opposite the heist which is which is a a, a point of contention and like it's it's a it's a bit of a you know there's a tension there do you go on the heist or do you go on on the sabak tournament and I knew I wanted to go on the heist more than anything even though I also wanted to like Tried to win the Sabak tournament, but the heist was more important, so I tapped out. But
5: I am not a poker player, I have no poker face. I have like ethical problems lying. Anytime I'm even joking about something and I think someone's taking it seriously, I will immediately cave and tell them that I'm joking. So even if I do deadpan something, which I do pretty frequently, I can't hold the line. And I know that's a weird thing to say for someone who is a professional performer and immersive creator. I swear I can do it in performance, but outside of that, I just can't do it. I, I just want to be earnest about all the things. And my character did not. And so I ended up winning the first round of the sabak tournament by just kind of continuously going so much harder than I would have at any other time. And so we I ended up winning the second round on the first hand uh, and just sort of like driving into this this character's desire and like belief that everything was going to work out. And so her optimism just sort of carried her through the belief that she couldn't possibly lose. And it ended up working out. Uh, and then we did our lightsaber training right after that. And so we just had this kind of packed afternoon of going from this Sabacc tournament where Wraith is slipping me cards, but it's too late. I've already won. And then sort of beating a bunch of younglings. I have no shame about that. And then going off to our lightsaber training and having this incredible sort of heart first moment and in, uh, in that training and then feeling very centered and then going up and sort of having to make this call between going, not doing the first part of the heist and seeing if I can win this tournament, which I did not, I super did not. I think it also was over really, really quickly. And, uh, and at the same time, it was, it was so, it was so powerful to, to play that, that path actually, to have a, this character take risks in a way that, uh, that she, she wouldn't have at other times in the piece or wouldn't have considered something to be a risk. So yeah, we I ended up losing on the whole, but uh, but those first the first round of play and the second round of play were the hardest I've ever gone in gambling. That's I, awesome. So yeah, it was amazing. It was just fun.
0: So Jessica, that's a path you took that you were basically on your own, right? You went yes. on that path. So I'm gonna point to Nick now and then we'll go to some, but I'm, I'm interested in like Nick, kind of your direction, your path, where you went that you feel like I did this and no one else did this one-on-one maybe, but not really that. The the point being like, what was your, what was your journey? And your, and I'm sure there were moments that intersected. You're muted right now, Nick. So I only got to imagine. Uh, Yes. Okay. So there you
3: are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate that. I like you spinning that out too. This like narrative of my mute, my muteness was was cool. Um yeah, so I so the character I created, Syndic, I gave him a backstory because I role-played forever and I can't help myself. So I basically said that he's, you know, he grew up in the mid-levels of Carson and criminal families. He became a cipher, and that's how he's making money for his family, sending money back to his family. Um, but his sister gets involved in the resistance and um and then and then is trying to encourage him to be part of the resistance. And and over time he's his whole family just sort of disappears on him, right? He he loses most of his family during just conflict on Coruscant, and then very recently his sister disappears as part of all the incidents in in Last Jedi. And I just played a character who was aimless walking in. And I just thought I was gonna do a resistance plot because I don't like fascism. Uh, but I didn't think about doing a, a force plot, right? I, I wasn't considering that at all. And then we went into the climate simulator scene that Jessica described. And I'm walking into that scene thinking, Syndek does not know if his sister's alive. Syndek is totally rootless. He's basically drinking in his off time. He's he's He doesn't have any connections anymore and he can't live like this. He's like someone who needs connections to survive. And when the force scene happens, I just make a split second role player call. Like I had no plan to do this at all that he has a force sensitivity because he's just witnessed the force and he knows his sister is alive. I just like, boom, I'm going to call this plot. And you know, it's like, and as a LARPer, I'm like, you're doing this real early Nick. It's like five hours into a 36 hour experience. You're making this call, but I'm like, nah, I'm going with it. I feel it's real. So I'm reacting that way. And the conversations I have with the rest of the group are sort of around that, that that, essentially something just happened here. And everybody's kind of playing it off a little bit. And I'm like, no, no, this was meaningful. Like something really happened here. Like I want to explore this. So as everybody else is running around the Wraith Plot, I go find Lenka, who's the cruise director, because I've I, we've now sussed out that the ship is a Resistance ship. And I basically just out of nowhere tell her, like, I want to talk to you because I think this is a Resistance ship. I think you're very connected to the Resistance. I bet you know a lot of people. I'm looking for my sister. I don't know what happened to her, but I know she's alive. So if you can m- get a message to her, I'd appreciate it. And she gives me this beautiful scene where she's like, you know, you know who I am, right? And I'm like, no, I don't. And she's like, I know a lot of people in the resistance. I can get a message out to you when all of this is done. And I was like, I was like, i look, I know the first orders here and this is a mess, right? Like, and I should have been involved in the resistance the whole time. I was just slow. I didn't want to get involved in politics. And she's like, don't worry about it. We'll make that work out. I leave that scene. I'm running around on my own while they're doing some of this. I do some of the raid stuff with them, but then I'm running around on my own. And as I am, I, I just run past Sajakir, who's doing nothing, right? So she's just walking from hallway to hallway. And I just stop her cold. And I'm like, can I talk to you? And she she takes me aside and basically back to the climate simulator. And I just, I just you know, I'm just like free improvising. I'm like, and I, I don't know if any of you know this, because I didn't really talk about this. I basically i am like, I'm having these weird sensations. I know my sister's alive. I don't know how I know that. This doesn't make any sense. I need to understand what you're telling me. And we start having a conversation about the beads she's carrying because all the Saja have these beads that they they carry. And she explains that these are like people and experiences she's holding on to. And I'm making the point that that's attachment. Like that's, that is attachment. We're not, not attached, that that's critical and becomes this meditation on family where Kier starts explaining that most of the beads are about her mother and these memories of her mother and we start having we start sharing this idea of like what family is, and it ends on this beat, and other players are getting involved because they're we're starting to meditate on what the force is and how the force can manifest, and how this person manifests by talking to animals and you're manifesting by connection, meaning Syndak or we're manifesting by talking to family. And it ends on this beat that was just incredible, where she's she is like, I'm just I just don't I just don't feel connected to anything. I just feel free. And she's like, Well, do you want to be free? And I'm like, No, I don't want to be free. I want to be grounded, I want something with weight and you know after this reflection on the heaviness of the beads and the heaviness of memory and so so we have this moment of connection through that and I basically I, I know she needs to do other things right like I'm thinking like an immersive person so I'm like I give her an hour, I'm like I need to meditate I need to meditate and I I basically walk away I have a really nice scene with another Saja Saja Grayson where we he does a trick with the rocks uh like a, a really beautiful trick with the rocks and we talk about this idea of what it needs to be connected um and that that's what leads Sajik here to like bring me downstairs to meet Ray, and the scene where you know we move you know eventually what happens is that there's Jedi artifacts that were found in Batuu and they're bringing them back up onto the ship and I'm supposed to go to a scheduled thing on my calendar on my uh on my itinerary to see these Jedi artifacts um but I'm with Ray at that moment like I just happen to be standing near Ray, and we're talking and Saja here comes up to me and says like I oh, it's good that you're here I want you to see this and I and I basically look at Ray and I'm like I think there's more important things going on but like uh, you have given me something I didn't have I'm at your service and she explains no I want all of you to see this and so then that takes us into the room where you know Ray includes me in the scene and so I end up essentially having this force plot where I'm like connected to the Saja and like like becoming more force sensitive which people start joking around with and Rafe jokes around with. And then at the very end of the story, there are two scenes that happen to me at the very, very end of the piece. The first of which is Lenka pulls me aside and tells me, even though I haven't seen her the whole day, right? Like I basically haven't seen her the whole day, pulls me aside and says, we found your sister. She's on a rebel base. We can get a message to her. What do you want to tell her? And I'm basically like, I was too slow. Tell her I was too slow. Uh, And that was stunning. And then finally as we're leaving here, and this is to the point of like, they remember things. here was like, as we're saying goodbye and we take a picture with her, she turns to me and says, Sindak, you know, I've been thinking a lot about the conversation we had and, and, and the, 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 the weight. And so I got you this and she hands me a bead um, so that you can have something to weigh you down. And I basically say, I'll make a chain of these. And that, that, that was this, I, I don't know. I don't know how to describe that moment. It was like, I had a character arc, right? I had a, a character arc where a character grows and changes and discovers something about himself. And I had that because like these two, really these two performers I mean, the players I was with too, because like Narab and I had lots of conversations with Cirque and I had not, lots of conversation. Um, but because Sajikir and Link had, like carried my plot and tr- they treated it with the seriousness um, that I took, took it with. And I, I, can't, I can't be thankful enough for that. That was, that was incredible.
0: Yeah. They're not crying, not going great. Uh, Not at like, for me, just hearing that, you know, I'll also point to what those I'll step, I'll step into Michael, not, not playing the, not knowing the, what those performers carry, right? Like what they hold because they were really truly with you, Nick. Right. Like, and they take it, they take that, they, they take it, they take it, Seriously, but also with play and joy and care, and um, how beautiful though that you also had the kind of openness to share those things with them, right? And there's something about the cosplaying that, or the LARPing that gives—we are finding a lot of people the freedom to share grief, to share like in these in these ways that they might not feel comfortable doing in other ways. Um, I don't know if those are the kinds of conversations you're used to having, or I wonder if they are, uh,
3: right? not, 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 as Nick. Right. Um, <laughs>
0: right, right, exactly. Right.
3: Yeah. And I mean, you can do it, you can do it in, I've done it in LARPs at times when I find people to do it with, but that's like, it's so different because it's all these like super high level role players, like throwing at each other. Right. And and to find that in spaces where there are people who who know how to like I think I think the way you put it is really good. They know how to take it seriously but they know how to play with it too. But like they know how to and I think the way I think about it is like they carry it as though it's real, right? And they can experiment with it like it's real and they can push back like it's real and they can improvise like it's real and that that allowed me to keep going and and I I've, I've just never had that with a performer before. Like like that moment with Kier where like we're talking about the beads and she introduces this extremely vulnerable narrative to me. That gives me the excuse to introduce extremely vulnerable narrative and to go to an emotional place, uh, which I did not expect (laughs) walking on to galactic star cruiser,
0: which is huge. Right. And any, you know, I have many, many thoughts, but this is not the time for them. Uh, The, so because I mean, I imagine we could have this conversation for hours. Um, We know this, right? And so uh, I hope- we did,
1: right? right. (laughs) Like we did in the room.
0: So I'm gonna just like, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go around for a second because Nick, thank you for sharing that. That's super cool. And as you said, it looked like I could see some of the surprise on some of your faces. Like you hadn't heard that story at all, right? So, I'm interested other things that you're like I must talk about this thing it's the thing that stuck with me it's the thing I cannot stop thinking about like I'm I just I can't stop it's it's staying with me what is sticking I mean overarchingly what I hear is the care of these these beings and the relationships but what are moments that that are sticking
2: Can I just say I just loved watching all of you play? Is, is that valid? Is that legit? That is, of course,
1: it's
0: the most valid, right? What was what? Like, what do you mean? Explain it.
2: Um, there was a moment at the dinner table where Wraith wanted to seal the deal that we were going to be part of the heist, and he shakes Noah's hand, and I got a picture of them just looking at each other, being like, "Yes, we're going to do this. We're going to do this together. We're going to make it right." Um, and then moments where, like uh, you know, like I, I was standing next to Nick when Sajakir gave him that bead, and they hugged, and I was like, "Wow, this is really happening!" Like, I'm I'm so privileged to be here right now, you know.
0: Yep. And so Noah, going, I'm going to go back for a second. Noah, you did get to do a
1: heist. Did you do one or two? We got to do multiple heists. Although Jessica had something, so like I can I can yeah. back into the heist. Sorry, Jessica. Yeah.
0: No,
5: no, no. I have a couple of thoughts, but actually, would also toss it to Noah to talk about timeshares. <laughs>
1: well, I'd love to. I loved I mean, so look, there was there was the timeshares, timeshares, the the, the, the heist, and you know we had a we had a very specific, which is the
0: stone Hyanenea is the stone. Is the
1: stone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Which you know, we had a specific. Uh, a yeah, specific job there, and that and that really that in that heist, our relationship with Sandro paid off, uh, which was really cool because in the planning of it, he, you know, Wraith was like, "Oh, we need someone to distract Sandro," and I was like, "Oh, Garmin and I are buddies with Sandro. We'll take care of that part, right?" You know, and then uh, and, and in fact, got so into that that I forgot that our job was to distract. Sanjo, I thought our job was to distract everybody and then started to get frustrated because all these little kids were like around Wraith, slowing down the heist to like they all just want a moment. They also might have been uh snitching on him because we learned something that there that there's a cognate to A Cab, uh ACAB of course being all cops are bastards, uh, which is a calf. All children are fascists. Because <laughs> let me tell you, uh they're just they just there there was you know, one snitching, thing, was always
2: like, snitching. Always
1: snitching. <laughs> Uh, there was this one little boy who was so sad that the first door didn't win that he booed the captain during the denouement. Uh, and I was like, I was like, oh, I was like, good. I'm glad you're sad. Um, you know, uh, I didn't say that to him, but I came real close. Um, but I think the 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 one, so the funny thing is, is like, you know, look, I am, I am, I'm, I'm deep in Star Wars. Right. You know, and the the spiritual aspects of it you know it 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 is the language i've had since i was a child to understand those parts of the human experience that don't make full sense and i programmatically in the app chose the force path and indeed there's 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 a suspicion i have that in in my choosing the force path is what gets sajakir to come up to me not long after muster to say, Hey, your friends meet me in the sublight lounge. I want to talk to you about something. And it's like, cool, we'll do that. And that's how we go from there to the climate simulator, which kicks off this whole chain of events. And the funny thing is, is like, I didn't build Cirque to go hard into that part of my actual noah identity i built Cirque to let me if i needed to step into it so like whatever whatever the story was going to offer me Cirque could could have something to do in that moment that alibi and the thing that i take away as a whole and we'll, we'll, we'll we'll get to the bridge um the thing that we take away as a whole from it is that i was reminded that i love to serve story that i love to answer the call of what Of what the the bigger story needs for me in that moment. And the heist plots kept on needing me to do the thing that apparently I do best, which is run my mouth. And I don't think of myself as someone who's good. I know it's ironic to everyone listening to this damn show, (laughs) right? But it is not a part of my, like, I think of myself as a bumbling idiot who doesn't know what's coming out of his mouth. And I spent my entire time, like, I had this image, and it was particularly the Halcyon Shuffle moment, right? I had this mental image of, like, I'm on a unicycle, and I'm pedaling as fast as I can. And if I don't, if I just keep talking, I will not fall over. That's what right. sort of is going on my, in my brain as I am saying, it's the Halcyon Shuffle. We're going to play it on Wraith Canto Bight. Yes. Now, Canto Bind, there's a big
2: tournament next week. Yes, well, Catherine. Right yes, What about Catherine? The song. The song.
1: Or the song, right? Like we Explain make a song the song. Sandro. We'll we'll play we'll play the song at the end of the show. Um, there's I got, if I can get it out of the the phone. So
0: again, the song was something you wrote with Sandro,
1: correct? He improvised. It's an improvised musical. No, you no, uh, wrote, uh, yeah.
2: improvised lyrics in an alien language. <laughs>
1: There, there was, I cannot uh, tell you how impressive
2: songs. it was. I had no
5: idea that it wasn't a real song.
4: We no wrote clue. three different songs with Sandra. The first no. was one that so- Sandra was prompting us to ask about who we were, why we were there, and he wrote a song with us. Then he said, what's your favorite type of music? And we said, jizz. Well,
1: and you then- were saying, like, I don't really have a type of music. I'm like, oh, I see him playing. I catch him playing jizz records all the time.
4: Right. And yeah. so that jizz and gonk rock, I think, were the two things. And then he plays, wow. it. he starts playing a jizz song. Gonk Rock. I
1: still don't remember who offered Gonk Rock. That's later. Yeah. But, you did. And,
4: and, then, and then Noah improvises in an alien language. And I, it was so confident and so clean that I thought it was like a canon Star Wars song that they were just doing together. Uh, and that's, I think, what will get played at the end. And then we also wrote a Gonk Rock song. Uh, t- on Gonk the Rock,
1: the- Look, writing a Gonk Rock song is easy. There's, yeah, yeah. Th- there's only one lyric.
0: So I want to go back to this thing you're saying, which is like running your mouth, but showing up, but in service of the larger thing.
1: In service of the larger thing. And so, which leads to, and I would love to hear from other people's point of view, because I have to keep telling this story. But like, you know, one of the brilliant things about the structure of the show is there's a moment uh, on day one where you get uh or, uh, yeah, on, on, on day one, you get bridge training. So you get to learn how the bridge all works. And on day two, depending on the story you're in, you get to use that knowledge and you get different story beats. So Nick, who was programmatically on resistance track, got got the resistance bridge one, which separated well, let, him from us. Let
0: right? me just let me just get clear for a second. So were yeah. you guys in the same bridge training on day one? Were you all we together? We all in the
1: same bridge training right. on day one. We had so bridge training-
0: Right yeah. so bridge training day 1 you go to the bridge and this is a, a thing for the ship like an activity on a cruise yeah. where yeah. you get to you get to train on the bridge which is yeah. like train how oh. to work the ship
2: Yep. But it turns out you actually have a secret mission, and that depends on what's going on at that moment in time. So we had uh, some unscheduled cargo that we wanted to get aboard right. the Halcyon. Which Nick, which Nick didn't. Nick had a different one,
1: and the four of us, the four of us, yeah. were part of that unscheduled, unscheduled. No, on, sorry, on
2: day
0: one on, you had. On day two, that's, that's when we
2: uh, snuck Chewie aboard.
0: No, day one, you had an unscheduled yeah. event that happens during your bridge training. Oh, right, but you right, get right, Chewy right. on board. No, it's yeah, the yeah. it's like the,
2: the the cruise activities often become the cover for, for what the resistance is doing, what the first yeah. order is doing.
0: But at yeah. that point, so so Chewy, you get Chewy on board because your bridge training is disrupted. Yeah. And then the next day, so I'm just that's a day one. Bridge right. training disrupted. Hey, let's bring Chewbacca on board because he's gotta get on there because that's what's happening.
3: Yeah, you and then, just as an aside. Did anybody have anything to do with that plot besides that? Like, no I think way. I saw Chewbacca like twice yeah. after that. It did not.
2: Wait, did not okay, You all were dancing so hard, you didn't see what the dancing was about. Oh no, no, no!
1: I mean,
3: look. Yes,
2: it, had you turned around, Nick, you would have seen Chewbacca sneaking behind the line dancers. With yes. What was the but dancing that, for? That's not
3: easy, Catherine. That's not easy keeping that dance going. Get, <laughs> Graham on. knows. Graham was with me. It we were. We, the, we had to dancing, deliver that dance.
1: Dinner, <laughs> Catherine. What is, during... da- what is the What does
2: the dance yeah. do? uh the line dance for rockstar queen is cover for them to sneak uh chewbacca across the dining room
1: yeah yeah so so there's there's lots of gags there there's, there's plenty of beautiful gags so like other but we didn't there's some there's some more in uh smaller boar uh chewbacca stuff that we didn't get to do but like the big set lot. pieces yeah the, but, but, the big set pieces we got to be part of yeah
0: but uh <laughs> <laughs> well Noah's point. A there's
3: a face there for everybody listening to the podcast. It was sort of like a not really. No, you missed some big pieces. But you should.
2: <laughs> talk to some nothing. friends who had a different bridge trading. And I yeah. was like, oh, my God. What do you mean you went to Hoth and you talked to 3PO and R2? What do you mean you did this with Sammy? And then, like, Lieutenant Corey just tried to sabotage <laughs> you. And I was like, like, 25% of our activities, maybe 30% overlapped with my friends who had gone, like, last year. Yeah.
0: So, Just to be clear, right? What you did in bridge training, no one else did. Like that moment was just yours in that group. However, you guys were there as a travel party on day two. I'm going back, Noah. Sorry, I'm just trying to like contextualize. So, if someone's listening to this, our words like bridge day one, day two. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully, this is helpful. On 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 day 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 two,
1: Nick got the new resistance track and and went before we did. Told us some of what had happened. And 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 with the the captain, yeah. But Nick,
0: but Nick didn't get a track. Nick got an invitation from the captain to show up to the bridge to help out. Correct.
3: Yes, right, right, right. 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 So to to aside quickly before we get off of me. Yeah, please. The captain gave an amazing like, okay, this is the time to join the resistance speech. Which, as a character who was hovering at the edge of the resistance, was the thing that pushed me over the edge to make the resistance chant. And then when Ray sees me and gives me the resistance chant, I give it back to her. So kudos to the captain for. Uh, for a nice a nice moment of of rallying to the resistance
0: but then the four of you you Are got on, a message from who
1: from wraith right. so we've got we've got another run with wraith and this one to go full spoiler this ties into the um the the hyperfuel heist uh, on the coaxium heist on uh in Smuggler's Run, right? Uh, something I've done a billion times on Smuggler's Run, but like uh, in the park, but this time it was for real. And so you're on the bridge to help Hondo Onaka, uh, the, the, you know, the, independent uh anyway I'm not going to do the hondo a bit. Uh you're there to help hondo and naka get the coaxium onto the ship and you got to blast a bunch of first order uh tie fighters and the resistance comes and like runs interference with x-wings. It's all a lot of fun uh, in terms of that part of the game. You're hitting buttons and you're playing a big group video game. But the really fun parts are what's happening around it. So like we get in there and like some people are being tardy And at some point, Wraith just turns to me and is just like, Sir, could you just like keep them busy for a second? And so I walk into the circle of where everyone's waiting to like have our little huddle. And then I'll let let one of the others say what happens next.
0: So I'm going to, again, context. So it's uh, you went down to Batuu in the morning on day two. You go to Batu and you're given a mission from Wraith to help to get the Coaxium, correct? Coaxium being a power source. And uh, you work with Hondo on um on Smuggler's Run, which is an attraction, but uh, let's just say, now the purpose of that is to help steal Coaxium from the First Order, right? right? So you do that, that is related to your mission that then you, to get that Coaxium back up to Wraith. Wraith has now sent you a message, when you bring it back to meet him at the bridge at whatever time it is, right. you get there, he then gets Noah to help distract some people, and Graham. What does Noah do?
4: Noah does what he thinks he does worst and best, which is which is he just starts talking and using his encyclopedic or Wikipedia knowledge, and he starts talking about. Uh, first well, of all, he he starts he starts vamping on the concept of vamping. He was asked to vamp, so he first explains vamping, and that eventually turns into very naturally. Uh, Danteoine timeshare uh endeavor that he's starting.
0: Jessica, can you tell me about the the timeshare endeavor? What do you know about it? Should I get uh, involved? What's happening? You should
5: absolutely get involved. Now is the moment to get in on the ground floor. Uh there have not been any catastrophic events there for a 100 years and we know we've got at least another 50 before anything goes down. So, this, this is, exactly. is, this
1: is the moment. Yeah,
5: it was that what was so beautiful. It was just a flawless moment. Like to go from the vamping. It was such utter bullshit. Like everyone knew that Noah was that that Cirque was bullshitting, but everyone was really on board. And then to go from just nonsense bullshit into what the clearly the only path that it could have taken, which is all of this bullshit is for a point. And that point is that we are here for the timeshares. And it was just like this beautifully played moment of like, and that is why you should buy a timeshare on ween And I'm here to talk to you. about. This. And, 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 this, and I this start chanting back.
2: from the back, timeshares, timeshares, timeshares. Well, no, no, and that's, then that's, people ask like, follow-up yeah. questions oh, about right. timeshares.
5: Uh, and everyone was just on board To talk about the time chairs and figure out if they also Should get in on the ground floor and yeah. Noah was Right there with the answers and there was a
1: guy who was like "Oh, like, You know my land speeder insurance got uh, You know got cancelled is that going to affect Me and then Wraith comes back because like The people who were late are now here And we go and do the thing but but before He goes before we get into the thing he's like oh hey If anyone comes through we need we, we need to explain what we're doing Here and he's like oh like sir, do you think you're going to interference and I'm like oh sure he's like well, what's the plan gonna be it's like I don't know but that's worked for us so far and then we go and do the thing and then Lenka shows up at the very end and is like What is what's going on Wraith what is going on here what are you all doing here and and Wraith runs his mouth for a second but then goes Cirque and I just I just I stride up to Lenka.
4: Lenka is just, the cruise I, director.
1: Lenka's the cruise yeah. director who who you know, you, was bro. having the moments with, 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 <laughs> with Nick earlier uh and would have them later uh, and I just stride right up to Lenka and I'm like, Lenka, all these people are here and they're so excited. Because remember, we're jazz because we just blew up a bunch of First Order ships. So everyone's like, ah, this energy. We're all here. Everyone here is so excited because all these people just became owners of timeshares on Dantooine. And Catherine starts the chant <laughs> and then the whole bridge takes it up. Everyone chanting timeshare. <laughs> and the actress playing Lenka and looking <laughs> right in her face and she is holding it by a thread and I pure bullshit mode and Lenka we want to give you your own timeshare on Dantoween. Don't Which, miss um, this opportunity you can't miss, yeah no no I didn't make an opportunity I so said we want to give you, you've done such a good job we know what you're going through you deserve your own timeshare on Dantoween. and she says I feel like I can't say no and I'm like, you
3: really shouldn't
1: And that's our button. And then she goes into the rest of the scene. And it was just, it it felt like you're trying to make an SNL, someone on SNL break, and they're just holding the line. And you just skate that line perfectly so that everyone knows that, you know, in that moment with that person, I'm going to see if you can break, but I don't really want you to break. Let's see how far we can skate. And we, it's this little duo, little quiet thing. All these people chanting timeshare, this absurd moment, people from the outside looking in going, what? shares right because we're visible to the atrium like people can see what's going on they hear people thunderously timeshares and yeah just um just a perfect moment just a perfect and moment
2: and later on we're standing around and a passerby recognizes noah and just shouts timeshare exactly Yeah. so
0: jessica i feel like you were about to start Were is there like um, anything that you're like i must talk about this moment besides timeshares which clearly we we I'm so it's important and Sign and to for be the fair, yeah, you had brought now you helped bring the Quaxium on at that point, right? So yeah. that's yeah. part of what you'd done. So you'd also finish this circle of helping Wraith get the Quaxium on, which he needed to do to help out to make that's for a deal, right? He's not resistance, blah 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 blah. Jessica.
5: Yeah, I have a I have like a bifurcated answer for this. One of them okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna glaze over because I think the things that i the things that hit my heart the most continue to be the in addition to the moments that we have talked about are sort of the the time that it took, the time that we were in that space. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes I I I just like how how do we spend more time getting into the stories and like sinking into these these impactful experiences? And it takes it just takes time to create the kind of meaning that Starcruiser creates. And so I think that that was that felt like such a gift. Um and like that was the real luxury for me was was the time that we were able to spend in this world and really sink into the nuance and and be together as a crew. Uh I think that was really the most powerful thing for me is that we did it together, that we were there with each other together. as one. Yeah, yeah as one. Uh, and I think the the thing that we haven't talked about yet that is just worth talking a little bit about is the end of the piece or the end of the, the macro narrative. Uh, I I'm someone who generally finds power and meaning in, in smaller moments in in intimacy and one-on-ones and things like that. And yet the epicness of the final scene, uh, or the final narrative beats of, of our experience were, I was just sobbing. I was sobbing there in the atrium. Uh, it was so, so large and so I mean even the fight choreography had me crying I had no idea that this like little kid in me still needed to see a lightsaber fight in person and and that was I yeah it just really it meant so much to watch to watch something that big and to be a part of it to have our stories be so personal and intertwined with something so large and that was really really surprising to me was that those moments towards the end had me weeping, uh, and just utterly in awe of the actual scale and scope of of all of the stories that had taken place.
1: And was- didn't feel like it eclipsed what we had lived or what or what the non movie characters had done. It it was it was sort of our reward, but it was also perfectly part of it, and just it, it just it just thrummed. You know, it just really, really thrummed, and it it felt like we were being tied to the bigger Skywalker saga, like that that we're that we too are part of the mythic chain now, in a way that cannot be severed.
2: Graham, and when they tore down no, sorry, those flags, Patrick. when they tore down those flags, oh, so good. Oh, yeah,
4: yeah. The first the first order Nazi esque flags got hung at some point in the voyage, yeah.
0: They got hung when the um, when the First Order uh, takes control of the ship, right? Because at some point the First Order has taken control of the ship. They've taken so you're you're in a blockade. You cannot the the Halcyon cannot move, which is a passenger ship, which is not great. I always say like imagine if there were a cruise ship somewhere where we put a blockade around in the middle of an ocean, and suddenly the cruise ship couldn't go anywhere. Like that would be alarming. A passenger ship, right? princess cruise lines uh graham
4: yeah i i'm going to sort of just call out some of the details on the fringes that we didn't necessarily dive into that were not necessarily story related but made the story that much deeper uh the windows on all of the rooms and the ship how they evolved with the story if you land once we landed on a planet you could see shuttle buses shuttle ships coming to and from you could see the blockade, you know, the blockades, when we were at a blockade, if we jumped to hyperspace, you notice a jump to hyperspace. If somebody, even if you didn't know it was happening narratively, like in a different room, it's still, you saw it happen. um I want the actors who were in costumes like Wani, uh, who was able to interact with so much emotion. We, we didn't, we didn't uh, really get into that in our letter and, and such, but this, this, this performer gave so much emotion and so much uh communication without being able to speak uh, several including you know the droids and some of the alien characters uh, all of the chefs because n- not a single piece of food or drink really was was uh, normal everything was hyper designed to feel of a different universe. Every, every single piece of food that you ate the entire trip was specially designed uh, and beautifully designed aesthetically um, and tasted good too. Uh, which are not always easy to do altogether. Um, yeah. uh, and all, one just design thing that I thought was really, really excellent macro because I do a lot of large throughput uh, audience immersives um, is using the data pad to get rid of a lot of the bottlenecking, so that the mm-hmm. actors could focus on building relationships with the audience members uh, and not deal with like quest giving necessarily, or, or you know like reward. You know, all, all all of the logistics of the the quests could be handled. Uh, on the data pad. And that was really uh, effective.
1: Yeah. I think, I think the language we're using at like two o'clock in the morning on the last night was like, oh, they've solved this problem. Like this one's solved. It's the data pad. And and just like, you know, solution found, we can move on now as, a, well, as an and, industry.
4: And I also, and like just, and there, there was so many, you know, we, we, we were talking about waiters, swimmers and divers, and there was so much going on that we didn't even get to see. I remember walking up to the, to the refresher, to the bathroom at one point, and seeing, like, Lenka playing some kind of, like, bingo with, like, some of the families on board or doing little races. So the ship was just alive at all times.
3: Yeah, you see you see this moment where Sammy, you know, finally stands up. And, and my reaction to that was like, oh, wow, I guess that was a long plot that I had nothing to do with. <laughs> I'm like, all these people are cheering. Clearly they care about this. I, I guess this was relevant. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but okay. And that from like the biggest part to the smallest part of like watching people doing breathing exercises on the atrium while I walk by and having no idea what they're doing. Yeah, that, that, I agree with Graham. It's like, it, it's all of those details. Like, like the windows, I, I want to just highlight that again. It's so cool that the windows change when you jump to hyperspace if you have no idea why they do it, but it happens because then you can walk up to somebody and be like, did we jump to hyperspace? And someone could tell you why right and just the magic of that oh the care is so beautiful
2: katherine i think it's your turn gosh i'm just thinking about so the the blow dryer is in a box labeled thermal blower and i want to <laughs> say the mini fridge is also slightly disguised and it is labeled cooling unit um and then just um i think we touched about we touched on this uh but there's a lot of call and response. And so you start to learn the ways that the people in the halcyon speak to each other, and it makes you feel like you're part of the world. So, Mm. you know, uh, instead of, like, hello or goodbye, right? You say, like, good journey, safe journey, good passage. Adiga uh,
1: and Bamache, if you want to use the Anzalian.
2: Or also Anzalian, Tabuite, right? Mm -hmm. Cherish the moment. Uh, And then the thing that the Saja repeat, that was really special when you end up in a smaller moment with them with Ray, who's also kind of you know uh, uh, keyed into that is like you were saying, uh, Michael, whenever someone says together, you, re- you respond as one, one, to talk about how the force ties us all together, our communities tie us together. The fact that the halcyon, during its you know 36 to 40 hours you're on board, you're in a community with these people and like you're saying we're living these moments with them in real time real humans
1: the the, the on that together us one note you know i boarded that thing with two friends and two acquaintances you know and, and and Catherine and Graham pretty good friends. We've 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 been through the fire a couple of times ourselves. And and Nick and Jessica like you know respect and an acquaintance level and like friendly acquaintances. Like it's like oh I'm glad I'm, I'm going to go play with you guys, but like I don't really know you, or I didn't really know you. And on the other side of it, I've got this you know family as sometimes you call it unit, and we have a we have places where we sit when we take meals together like we we have assigned seating which we didn't do at breakfast on yes on the last that day. annoyed
2: just, me you were in the yeah, wrong well, spot
1: and there was there were there were, there were reasons we, we weren't at our table and then there was like there was like a plate oh yeah no there. And our so, our table
2: but, is the one that's right right below Gaia on the right hand side like yeah, that's so, that's so ours we
1: have, <laughs> yeah we have we have a table we have spots and like you know literally on the second night I was like people aren't going to understand. Like when we're when we're at like summit or something else together, the next time we see each other, like why we're, why we insist on no 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 you're in Jessica's spot you can't sit there, right? Like there's gonna be there's gonna be that dynamic, just going forward. But what, thankfully with Wraith, you know people can hop in and out, right? Like the characters made it possible for people to join our table. So we're not saying that you can't sit with us, just saying that there are designated places where you can. <laughs>
2: I think what Noah's trying to say is we all went through this together. Yeah. And I think, I mean, none of us are going to forget this for the rest of our lives. That's okay. just, that's the star cruiser experience. Magical, unforgettable. Sometimes I wonder if I dreamed it.
0: Yeah. Well, I will say this cause we should be nearing the end. Um, You know, uh, Noah, I'm sure I have to imagine you feel this way sometimes when you get to interview um, folks or chat with them. But I'm not sure if you guys could understand how meaningful it is to have been able to have this conversation with the five of you. Um, You got to spend some time uh, in what I consider my home. Sometimes I realize that I miss living in space. I lived there. I forgot, I mean, probably not good mentally, but I. When I came out of space, I was pretty certain I I don't, I feel more comfortable when I'm on that ship um, than where I am in the world a lot of the time um, for a variety of reasons. And you also got to travel through space with my extended family, and they loved you. They have talked about you. Uh, they have sent messages from the galaxy. And um, it's all real. And this is the thing, like you know someday I'll speak more to it but um I think that the power of this is that like there is something real in every interaction we have and how do we allow ourselves to be safe enough to have those and um the Star Cruiser was the greatest it it is I said this earlier is the dream I'd had for 20 years having nothing to do with Star Wars (laughs) and now uh to hear all of these stories and to know you are five people on a full ship, right? Imagine all the other stories. Um, I truly believe and hope that the stars will continue to light our way each of your each of your stories being stars. So thank you guys for letting me um, share in this conversation with you. I always want to talk about it. <laughs> because i miss it um but yeah your friends miss you they are thinking of you and it's real uh and they're extraordinary extraordinary beings everyone from wani to sk to chewy to gaia to rake to Sajas to sammy's to i can keep going so uh thank you all um do you have any last things you want to say before we close this out
3: Um, to, to the listeners of this, who are, who have, have thought about this thing and wondered what it was and, uh, wondered if it was worth it or should it have been, or what, what was going on? The only thing I can say is that I've never experienced anything like this in my life. And you're in a room, you know, we're a room full of people who do this and study this for a living, right? Like we, we do lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of stuff, right? And there has been, I've never seen anything like this. Um, and and I think it's a tribute to the performers. It's a tribute to the designers. It's a tribute to the, the the visionaries. And this is including you, Michael, like who who saw the potential of this and made it. I think not just us, but many people I know in in the immersive space who've been to it are like, this is the future of our work, right? Like this is a direction of the future of our work and we need to make more work like this. So that's... I'd like to say that back to you first and foremost and also to the audience that like if you're wondering what this was, um something unprecedented. That's what that's what it that's what it was. Yeah. Thanks.
0: Else? I, I think the,
4: yeah. the the oh sorry. I think the the long term uh effects of this piece are gonna be felt long after this this closes. I think potentially could be for decades because there's so many children coming through this. Um you know, it, it I, I it's like the Velvet Underground, it, you know, maybe didn't sell a lot of records at the time, not that many people are going to get to experience it. But the the number of people who saw it, who are then going to start producing their own immersive shows, or being involved in the community, I think will be a very, very high percentage. I, I don't yeah, I, as they said, I don't think there'll be anything like this again, uh, in our lifetimes, um, unless we're very, very lucky.
5: Yeah, I would just reiterate the thing we've been saying over and over and over again which is that the presence in this piece is is unreal. Um, the realness is unreal. And uh and that's a direction that I I have been so excited when when we shift in that direction as an industry and as a community and so to experience it on this scale felt like Michael, I didn't live there, but it felt like coming home in that way, like yes, this is what I've been, this is what I've been craving. This is what I've been talking about. This is what I strive for in this work is to be, to be so present and so real with with people in space. And yeah, that I love so that
0: deeply heartening. I love that, Jessica, because I think the thing I've always believed about home is it shouldn't just be mine. It should be a place where everyone is welcome. And so designing it so that it, like you said, like you, sh- it should. It should, it is not just mine. It is the home that you want to share, right? And so I love that. I love that.
2: Catherine, Noah? My gosh, I don't really have that much more, but just to reiterate, I feel so lucky having gotten to experience it. I wish everyone could get to experience it. And if there's any way that we can preserve the knowledge, pass it down, talk about it, um. Bring that magic to others.
1: I just, I just want to thank the four of you for being on that trip with me. Extra special thanks to Catherine and Graham for you know moving planetary bodies to to make it possible. Like you know we haven't talked about the the context of this so much. I think there'll be more talk about the context at other times. But you 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 made I literally. Given up all hope of it happening. And the day before, it was just starting to hit me for the first time after just sort of not allowing myself to access that part of it. And it was literally the next day that the call came through. And people have heard, some of the people who listen to the show regularly have heard that call now. And, you know, Graham said, you know, I like, think we'll see this again in our lifetimes. And, and I'm going to push back on that just to say, like, we must. Right, you know, like and, and not not to like full gram, right? You know, like a bad gram. No. It's just like it's it's up to us to make sure that this does not go you know, silent into that good night. Right. Like the the spark is lit and we are the fire. And anyone who's gotten a chance to do it, like you're charged with this duty. And and anyone who got to perform in it and design on it you're charged with this duty and there's a lot wrong with our society there's a lot wrong with our culture and if this work not just star Cruiser but this immersive work has value it's in our ability to push against those things that are that are wrong with it that keep us from being as human as we could be as present as together as we could be and to get to live through an adventure that's designed to do that designed or to, to, to remind you um or to open you up is something i've been looking for mm-hmm. my whole life and this is just the beginning and never an end
0: That I think we should say thank you. Thanks thank you, you all. Michael.
2: Thank you, Michael.
1: <laughs> Once again, I want to thank Michael for being the guest host. I haven't been in the host chair for a hot minute here, and I'm actually really enjoying that. I want to thank Catherine, uh, not only for, you know, also being one of the guests this week, but Catherine did all of the heavy lifting logistically to make this possible. It was Catherine who was sitting on the phone, uh, you know, and and calling again and again in order to find us a slot on the Star Cruiser because that's what it took. You just had to you had to be persistent. And Catherine, you is nothing if not persistent. And you think not only need, want. Graham Wetterhan offered me a spot on the day that this was all announced. I think I said it in the pit. It's been, been two hours since you heard that. Graham made this possible uh right from the word jump. Uh, and, and I just want to thank him so much and for being such just, just an incredible friend and an incredible ally uh, and, and a great champion of immersive work and producer of immersive work here in Los Angeles, w- who has a real eye towards bringing this kind of work to folks who do not understand it, who are coming from the traditional performing arts world. And, of course, Nick and Jessica, who, like I said in the piece, I went into this star cruiser with them as acquaintances and I came out with really good friends. Um, and I really, I missed them all constantly. I, I don't like looking around and not seeing, ah, I'm getting emotional again. All right. So there's some other folks that I want to thank because Catherine did this incredible thing and rallied my friends to make this possible. Um, and I just got a roll call Jesse Damiani, David and Lisa Spira, Parker Sella, Tommy Haunton, Ricky Berganti, Leah Abelson, Zay Amsbury, Michael Anderson, Michaela Ternaski-Holland, Brian Resler, Matt Bamberg-Johnson, Rachel Stoll, Jacob Patterson, Michael and Jen Davis-Wilson, and Anthony Robinson, our dear friend who could not come along with us. Um, thank you all so much, you already know, but I'm just going to keep on thanking you for like the next few years until my next big birthday runs around. No, I'm kidding. This covers that one too. Um, and also want to thank Julie Ray Goldstein for connecting Catherine with the Halcyon Rebels. None of this would have happened if you hadn't made that connection. So we just, it took a whole village to get us out there. Um, couple more things uh, before I do the the, the, the normal ending. Uh, I'm going to do the ending of the, of the pod. And then if you stick around, if you really want to hear that moment we have with Sandro, uh, I pulled the audio. So you can you can hear the moment as it were. Uh, audio came out pretty good. It sounds even better than the does on the video. But maybe that's because I've never listened to it with the headphones before. Um, okay. So next week, episode 400... More people talking and just talking, no interview. It's a team speak episode. Uh, won't be as long as this one, probably. Maybe it's 400. We've been at this a while, man. Um, got some really fun interviews lined up. Um, Curtis Hickman, uh, whose new book uh, on hyper reality. Uh, it's the lessons he's taken from his experience of building the void. He's going to be a guest on the show. I'm going to read the book and talk to him about it. Very informed conversation that I promise you that'll come out early August. A couple other things between now and then just a lot of good stuff on the way as we go into the next cycle of a hundred, uh, which will, which will take us, uh, it'll take us a couple of years, uh, uh, two more years. And then we hit the 500th episode. My goodness. Wild. All right. On that note, uh, I'll do the credits for the show. The associate producer of this podcast is Parker Sella. Music for No Persenium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society and Solar, the podcast. Special thanks to Siobhan O'Loughlin for voicing our intro. This podcast is written, edited, sometimes hosted, produced and mixed by yours truly. Everything that's wrong is my fault. I'm Noah Nelson. And until next time, I will see you at the show. Can I get that bit about the thing being blown up again? Oh, that yeah. was so beautiful. Exactly. If
4: you, if you could, I know you're improving, but we came sailing through the stars to find a place tonight. Our last location, well it got blown sky high, and here we
3: we got we need like a bridge
4: Okay, you are a singer. Well, That's why you got into the business. I'm, a, well, I'm, not a, I'm not a performer. I just like performers. What's what's your favorite type of music? The, uh, this this is this is great. You know, I, I I tend to not like favorites. I just appreciate good
1: artists. Uh, like, I know. catch him. Oh. I catch him listening okay. to jizz records all the time. Okay, so, oh, you're, right. you're,
4: okay, so you're getting into jizz music. I I do, I do I like I like jizz, but once again, like okay, we, we can mean, can have all, can, kind, can of can music, like all kind of music. We can song if you want. All right. Yeah.
1: Kimen wa waka, wa ka Chinena mu wa ne Yeah Kareme ketchoku Omo wa tagen benge Kimina na taka No lo me kamen Atiwa na parka A lucka that's a surreal language. Which language is this? It's an audio translator. See, it's just that simple. Wow, really that's gorgeous. come off the top of what your head. What language
4: was that?
1: Oh, no. I thought you... You didn't know what you were playing? No, that, I, that must be an earworm that got stuck in your head.
3: No, I was, yeah. I was doing a, a simple progression. A okay, doing... you
1: know, simple progression, that, that's probably true. Jizz I I mean,
3: was... has four or five different forms. I was doing so. two, five, one, minor six. Oh,
1: yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, fingering Dan usually goes for a major, but, like, you know. Yeah, well, I, I was, it, was it
4: similar to a, a, a famous jizz record? It was, like,
1: identical. Oh, really? Like, honestly. Like oh. like identical like you're you're wow. like a prodigy or something.
4: I wouldn't go that
1: far. Well, no. you but my, you, will my, my no. no. you, you will go far. No, you will go far. Your I, parents I, wouldn't I, say
3: that. Oh, no, they don't. They don't. They don't want, they don't, they they don't want you playing music. No, they want me doing the family business, man. I What's I the family, family business? Family. business? Uh, they work in thermal power. Uh, oh uh, thermal power. yeah. Thermal uh, thermal so they work in, in, in yeah geothermal yeah. stuff. So yeah.
1: Well, I mean, maybe you'll find on Batu a lot of geothermal power. It's a bit warm here.
4: Do you guys hear when Guy is showing up? By the way.
1: Uh she's here already. Wait, what? She's here? Well, her stuff is here.
4: Okay, well, do you
1: guys
3: want to go greet her? Yeah, let's go.
1: What are you guys doing right now?